We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. everybody and welcome back to an interseason episode of sequelizers i am your host as always jack chambers ward and joining me also as always it's matt stockton you can call me susan if it makes you happy joining me as always it's susan all right speaking of susans it's tim matum well thank you for that that's a great weight off my mind now if you wouldn't mind telling me who the fuck you are apart from someone who sequelizes movies for pigs of course <laughs> We need to do a We Sequelize Movies for Pigs t-shirt now. (laughs) (laughs) And on the back it just says, Susan. Pigs! This week, we're back to our usual interseason shenanigans, I guess? Japery. Japery. Let's go for interseason Japery. We finished off The Dark Universe, part one and part two. If you haven't heard that already, go back and listen to the last two weeks of episodes, because I had a lot of fun. It was silly bullshit, but actually came together very nicely at the end. It's very rare that I'll say we've... Fucking nailed. We, we all came together nicely in Adam Driver. That's true. That is, that is very true. The, the fi- basically, the final word that said is Adam Driver. Adam Driver. No, no, no sorry, 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 sorry. It was Tim saying in. Oh, I'm, Adam I'm aware. I know, but that's what just. Yeah. Anyway, this is a sequel we'd like to see episode, and we're going to be talking all about sequels we'd like to see to snatch from the year 2000. I think it's going to be a very interesting discussion where people go, oh, really? And we go, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think Snatch is an interesting film for many reasons. We'll get, we'll get into it in a moment. But it's not something that would instantly come to mind for, oh, yeah, the sequel we'd like to see. But people have been pushing for it for a while. We'll, we'll get Seriously. into the discussion and stuff and like some sort of like pre-production stuff that never happened and discussions with Guy Ritchie and Jason Statham and specifically Vinnie Jones for some reason. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a whole thing. But before we get to all of that stuff, we'd like to say a huge thank you to everyone who supports us on patreon.com slash sequelizers. You make the show possible. You make all the lovely silly bollocks I'm about to do. If you know Snatch, folks, and you know the uh, the, the potential quotes and clips that are going to be coming up, oh boy, there's, there's a lot of choice coming up for these EPs and VIPs. It's a quippy bastard. Indeed, indeed. Throughout the interseason, we will, of course, have exclusive bonus episodes which you can now listen to on spotify by the way i post about this on the patreon it's a public post i shared it on our twitter as well rx no (laughs) no and and the discord so you can now integrate your patreon account with your spotify account link them together and it will create essentially a feed that includes all of the exclusive stuff so the movie commentaries during the main seasons the outtakes the bonus exclusive episodes during the end season as well of which we will have some coming up later on this interseason, all on Spotify for you. Because I know that's been a big issue for a lot of people. It's like, how can I listen to the exclusive content? Do I listen to it in the Patreon app? Do I need to listen to it on the like built-in player on a browser or something? You can take the RSS feed and put it into one of your podcast apps, but if that's not an app you're using, 
Apple doesn't do it. Spotify doesn't do it. Google doesn't do it. it it's been a pain. So the fact that it's now fully integrated, you just need to connect. There is a link, like I said, on our Patreon to go and connect it. It just sends you straight to the link of how to do it. It's always good to have something that makes it very easy. Exactly. It makes all the exclusive content much easier to access. And it will just basically subscribe you to that feed. So it will just update automatically. And you'll get all the normal episodes as well. So you'll get early access to that on that feed. And then all the bonus stuff as well. It's a nice little addition, nice little uh, integration for people who listen to the show on Spotify, which is one of the most popular podcast platforms in the world. So it kind of makes sense. And like I said, you go to patreon.com slash sequelizers. You go to the £10 tier, you get all that lovely exclusive content. If you get to the £20 tier, you get discounts on merch, exclusive merch. Matt's wearing a piece of our merch right now. Look at it, everybody. It's delightful. What's that? You can't? Imagine it. Picture it. it it's, the, it's the Resurrection Tour t-shirt. From yeah, it's really, ago. it's comfortable. It's nice. I yeah. like it. So yeah. I, it sounds really pretentious to say this, but it, I like our t-shirts. Yeah, me too. They genuinely yeah. feel nice. Our, our first round, a uh, bit too cheap. Like the, the, the print wasn't like too yeah. good. Yeah. But now we went for the nice, eco-friendly, expensive, fancy t-shirts. Worked with a fantastic local printing company called Vino Sangre here in Norwich. Shout out to Vino Sangre. I know they listen to the show. Shout, yeah. out to, shout out to Mikey and the boys. And uh, yeah, fantastic design, of course, by the one and only John Scarrett. And it, it's all coming together nicely. It could be yours. We're working on something as we speak. Co-designed by Tim in a very interesting way. So I thought Tim, was... Tim with a pen and a piece of paper. True. Carved out the future. Yep. It was bleak. But then also he did the yeah. side. He did a little drawing for a t-shirt. We said, That's oh, good. okay. Yeah, there was the t-shirt in there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But if you go to the £30 tier, you can become an executive producer and you get a shout out on the show. Just shout like out to the, on the show. You get, you get shouted out on the show. <laughs> Absolutely. We just called them fucking pigs. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were the pigs and that's... No, no. In Tim's intro, we sequelize four pigs. That's the listeners, right? Oh, I hadn't thought about that. EP. Executive, P stands for Executive Pigs. Unless, unless, Sorry, unless we're doing this all for Hollywood to, uh, uh, to pick up on. Uh, Those fucking pigs. Yeah. We stand with the strikes. It's been Charlie Manson, <laughs> but I get it. <laughs> anyway, the EPs for this week are Oscar Sadler. Pull your tongue out of my arsehole, Gary. Canis <laughs> <laughs> Rufus. Well, where'd you lose him? He ain't a set of fucking car keys, is he? And it's not as if he's inconfucking-spicuous now, is it? <laughs> Marcus Lindstrom. You bet your bollocks to a barn dance you're not backing out. Colin Thompson. I don't care if he's Mohammed, Imard, Bruce Lee. You can't change fighters. That's my favourite person. <laughs> he, he just sounds like so many cousins and uncles <laughs> in my family. We'll, we'll get on to your family. London-Irish yeah, dynamic yeah, in a yeah. minute, Matthew. Penultimately, it's Martin Calderwood. You're on thin fucking ice, my pedigree chums, and I shall be under it when it breaks. Now fuck off. <laughs> and our last EP for this week, it's Josh van der Sluis. You take sugar. No, thank you, Turkish. I'm sweet enough. <laughs> the pause is just so, oh, it's so perfect. Delicious. Delicious pause. People at the highest tier, they're known... As the very important pigs, according to Matthew. <laughs> I, call, I just call them the VIPs. Don't, don't call them Matthew, right? Tim, oh, no, that's specifically what you said. Tim, you said oh, yeah, Tim, the P stands Tim, for... I, I, no. <laughs> Tim. Oh, that was the end of the sentence. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah okay, it's obviously. Brilliant. Well, they get to pick 
episodes for us to fix throughout the season. You may have witnessed some of the remakes we did in the last season. They'll also have some interseason picks coming up throughout this as well. Some very interesting, weird and wacky topics for us to talk about in the coming weeks. But they also get a shout out on the show because, yeah, good luck with these ones, boys. It's Jonathan Firth-Clark. Hello. So what's a heck of two roof lights? It's Josh Miles. Uh, the stylist house frame furniture. Stuart Main. And uh, Scott Cushions with uh, Matt's and Sackpack Cover. James McDowell. It's a terrible parcel to the Paddywinkle Blue Bass. Philip Morgan. Have I made myself clear, Bass? And Hyper Dude Man. Yeah, that's perfectly clear, Mickey, yeah. <laughs> Have you guys ever read the actual script or seen, like, subtitles of all, yeah, that, yeah. all the shit from, yeah, the, yeah. from Brad Pitt's character, Mickey? Yeah. It's just the maddest, best, weirdest shit in the world. Yeah. And, and I love every second of it. <laughs> well, thank you, EPs, VIPs, and everyone who supports us on Patreon. We hugely appreciate the support. It keeps us going, keeps us doing silly little bollocks like this with, with the clips and stuff like that. You got Mickey, you got bricked up. What more could you want from the EP and VIP clips? <laughs> <laughs> ah, so let's dive into some Snatch, shall we? Oh, hey. ah, oh, oh. Snatch be full is... of a double entendre. Snatch is um, a slang term. For vagina. Oh, I've never used that term. No, no. It feels, feels pretty. Vagina is too clinical. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I, 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 it's one of those things where, like, when it film first came out, it was a case of um, people saying, "Oh, you can't call it that. You'll give the wrong impression." I was like, "To who? Yeah, who the fuck is thinking this is going to be like <laughs> all vagina the kids going movie? to see an eighteen rated? Yeah. yeah, yeah." So, um, let's let's draw something out of the way right to start the start here. Some people might say, "Why snatch?" Let's let's draw that in because we noticed that a lot of the things we've been covering for sequels we'd like to see tends to be world building where you think we'd like to see more of this universe. We'd like to see mm. more of where this is going and these characters. We talked about this in the Dark Universe we episodes did. We did. where yeah. you have the ah the game is a foot thing where mm-hmm. it will often leave some threads, leave some some little breadcrumbs yeah. for yeah. us to follow and like ah oh, you could do that one mm. or like even the case of like Hellboy it was the sequel we never got and it's yeah. been rumored in pre production all this kind of stuff but. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Coming back yeah. around to it 23 years later, mm-hmm. when, as I mentioned at the top of the show, there's been little rumblings, but really nothing significant, particularly from Guy Ritchie himself, who obviously is the director and kind of like mm. main dr- creative driving force behind the whole thing. But also, mostly Vinnie Jones being like, I want to be in a fucking film again. <laughs> yeah, because nobody gives a shit about you, Vinnie. It's 2023. Stop trying to be in films. Yeah, because we had a discussion during an outtakes uh, not that long ago about whether Guy Ritchie's films, well, not obviously all of them, but... Of his, his universe style, uh, unofficial uh, Yes, yeah, yeah, a kind of cinematic universe um, between... Because obviously Lockstock and Snatch have a lot of shared actors in them, but yeah. they're playing different roles. Yes. And then obviously it's a kind of a world that he has revisited. He did um, Revolver. He did uh, Rock and Roller. And and he did The Gentleman, which of all, to a certain degree, obviously I think The Gentleman is the closest we've had to a proper sequel to Snatch because he kind of... do not like The Gentleman. Rock and Roller and Revolver uh, both are a bit more Americanized. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. But he's a guy who... Yeah, he's a guy! Fuck me. He's a guy. He's a director He's and creator. A guy. Fucking who? It, 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 it's weird because you feel like the the snatch and lock, stock, and everything else that follows. Like you mentioned, just him. 
are an anthology piece that are, might as well be joined up. Yes, yeah. It, you know, just Tales of London. Yes, exactly. It, they, Even if Sherlock Holmes stuff could be considered yeah, Tales of London. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Well, I, I find them interesting because, and, and this may be me, even though I'm technically a Londoner, I don't know all of the city that well, especially the East End, but they feel very London without feeling at all specific. Oh, 100%. So there are so many British shows and Ealing comedies and things shot at Elstree Studios, for example, which are just sort of in and around London. And they don't say, you know, London's calling that show fucking big. And it's just like, it's just areas around with old Victorian brown brick buildings and cobbled streets. And it's like, we're not advertising because at the end of the day, and this is like, I film stuff in London. You don't broadcast where you are because the brickwork tells you where you are. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's sort of obviously there's that incredibly like touristy approach to London. Oh the, yeah, the, oh yeah, yeah. The play play London calling. Here's a double decker bus. Here's Big Ben. Yeah. Here's the London Eye if it's been shot in you know the 20th century. Yeah, sure, sure. Houses of Parliament, but whatever. Buckingham Palace. That's the most like generic. You know, let's throw it in a. Amanda Bynes movie. Yeah, sure. But there's also, obviously, for stuff that's actually produced more in the UK um, and isn't just, you know, oh, an American comes to London. Um, there are there are films that are very specifically about certain parts of London. Um, the one that comes to mind that's most recent is Rye Lane, oh, which yeah, was yeah, a, yeah. a romantic comedy set in Peckham mm. and was everything was shot in that area. And it very much tapped into the kind of the feeling of community in, in that small area, because obviously London is such a huge city that mm-hmm. different parts of it feel incredibly different. And Lockstock feels, uh, sorry, Snatch and Lockstock yeah, sure, and most sure. of Guy Ritchie's films feel like they're set in an almost kind of somewhere between the two, where it's a more genuine version of London, but it's also weirdly generic it's sort of it's sort of like you can say to an american oh there's the touristy london that you know but you don't know the real london and it's just kind of quote unquote real london and it you know it's sort of east end because it's all you know gangsters and you know all that kind of stuff but it doesn't as far as i'm aware with my limited knowledge Mm -hmm. um it doesn't feel like it's set in any particular place within london it's just kind of London underworld. I I would agree, Tim. Which I, which uh, and, and which brings it back to your sense of like uh, you were talking about world building and yes, stuff like that. Yes. In that they feel like they're set, even though they're ostensibly set in the real world, there is kind of world building to them because they do feel like they're in a slightly, maybe not fantastical, but a, like an exaggerated version of London that has all these characters, you know, where you've got all these, you know, oh, yeah, you know, he's dug the head and, you know, all this kind of bullet-toothed Tony, you know, and... and, and Blade's James Ward. Yeah. My nickname in childhood was Blade. Matt's not making that up. I'll explain that in a moment because I'm going to talk about my dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it, it's, you know, it's evoking all these kind of ideas of London without necessarily, like, pinning it down and saying, it is set in you know, West Ham kind of thing. I think I think that's very much the... Okay, the way I would describe it is there are certain things you don't tend to film or look at. So if you're walking around Brixton, for example, you're going to see a lot of really interesting architecture. 
and um, cultural influence and all kinds of things going in, especially in 2023, for argument's sake. Um, this being a turn of a century thing might as well be just late 90s. Yeah. You, you are seeing corrugated iron petrol stations from the 70s, 80s that run yeah, down yeah. to shit, you're going to die in them. Yeah. You see um, a Victorian-style train uh, bridge going over an mm. underground tunnel. You've got people living above a lockup, sort of, or something like that. Yeah. You have all these little bits and pieces and Cobbled Street and Pave Street and mm. bollards everywhere. And there's this little bit. So to me, it feels like, to, to sort of harp on what you were saying, Tim, a nostalgic look at London. Yeah. Because it also a has dream a dream almost. It has a very specific visual identity where, like, yeah. it's a little bit kind of bleached out, a little bit almost like sepia toned. Yes. Um, like a photograph. Yeah. A lock stock um, is very much so, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, and there's no. You know, the the kind of um, the things that you don't see that I kind of associate with London is kind of like walking down, not main streets, but like busy, busy streets in not busy parts of London, if that makes sense. Yes. Like you don't you don't in Snatch uh, and, and other Guy Ritchie films tend to see like those streets where there's shop fronts and stuff like that that would have like mm. colourful you know, displays and, and, and stuff like that on it. it. It is about that brickwork and corrugated iron and back streets where there's nothing really kind of identifiable and just a kind of grime over everything. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So, Blade. Yeah, thanks, Tim. <laughs> That's this so weird hearing people call me that in my 30s because my dad has now stopped calling me that. I only call you that because you told me that was something you called once. Yeah, and yeah. And I can't yeah. get over it. So it's a real thing. So I used to carry around, like, plastic swords with me when I was a kid. And living out in the countryside, I would be like chopping down nettles and stuff. So whenever I go for out for a dog walk, I'm like being a fucking nerd. I've got a question on an adventure. Yes, Matthew. On your many quests, did you, a chance, on occasion, chop some nettles and hang out with Chris Christophs? <laughs> <laughs> no, chop some nettles and in your swoosh, in your motion, accidentally circle them back to you so that you end up getting <laughs> the nettle on your arm and you cried. No, I'm not an idiot. I was just clean cutting that shit. Sorry, no. I was a trained samurai. <laughs> yeah. That's why I was okay. called Blade. Yeah, I get it. Were you yeah. called Blade as a kid? I was called Nettle Arms. Exactly. <laughs> he, was, he wasn't allowed to have a go at nettles until he'd practiced on those uh, like straw dummies yes. made of like, bamboo, the bamboo and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Cutting straight through. We, yeah. we talked about men anyway as a kid, haven't we? No. Okay. I might explain it. I might not explain it, but everyone's going to think they I know, know they the did Just drop it. And be like, Everyone know, thinks they know the explanation. They're not going to know the explanation. Milkman. <laughs> so we don't know the explanation which suggests you became the deviant you are today post milkman some, some real nominative determinism yeah. going on there the milkman thingy had nothing to do with me drinking milk you're insane because i don't think it's i drank much milk in my childhood it's because your family are grocers it's because the milkman always comes early <laughs> no it's because i because you kept impregnating all the local women. <laughs> it's Doing have, your rounds that, again. That 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 Father Ted. Yeah. No, it's, beca it's because I you turned up... faster than two miles an hour, you explain. <laughs> <laughs> I turned up at school on my first day of um, secondary school and my mum did that thing where it's like, you'll grow into it. And it was a blazer that she got because in Britain I was a school uniform and I was in a Catholic school with a big blazer. And she basically bought the biggest blazer for a 16-year-old. <laughs> and I was a short... Uh, until I like a growth spurt, 
like 12 year old going six months. And the thing was, I swear to fuck, dragging on the floor. <laughs> and I looked like a 1980s milkman. <laughs> so I says, well, you milkman. And I said, yeah. Oh no. Bringing milk to your mum. <laughs> and then there's like, hey, milky, you don't have a man. And so milkman, and so I was stoggy milkman. I feel like I, I I've shouted stoggy milkman at you before, but for completely different reasons. Different reasons yeah. <laughs> and I moved to Norwich and I was like, no one's going to understand this because I'm now tall. <laughs> so I dropped my uh, nickname. I mean, the height's not the thing. The fact that you sustain your milk? lifeblood on milk is maybe why we would think you were called yeah. milkman today. Sorry, I apologize for cutting off your blade story. Uh, yeah. So the reason I mentioned that and the fact that I didn't, Matt brought it up. Yeah, I did. Is because my dad gives nicknames to everybody. So Bullet Tooth Tony, Boris the Blade, mm. all this kind of Turkish, like that's not his real name, Tommy. we, we assume. Um, Tommy's is... No, but it's like he's it's in not, for a gun, Tommy Gunn's like, no, it's not. Mm. Yeah. Um, all the, a brick top, like every yes. fucking character has a nickname basically in Snatch. And my dad still does that to this day. He's nicknamed his fucking grandchildren at this point. Like he, you can't take the hackney out of my dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he, he's... Well, I remember watching like Lockstock and Snatch with him when I was growing up, being and him just being like, "Yeah, so that sounds about right." Like, a lot <laughs> of that stuff makes sense. Like my dad got into a funny enough similar team. He's been in a lot of fights. <laughs> um, yeah. He used to be like a bouncer and stuff, and uh, like a doorman back in East London in the seventies and eighties and stuff. So you can imagine all the crazy shit my yeah. my dad had seen during that time. He was like, "Yeah, I knew a guy who looked who basically was Turkish, who basically was basically was there was." That everybody knew there was a brick top around, but like nobody said anything, you know, yeah. all, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. No, there's, there's a lot of that. And I think you get everyone gets a street baptism from friends, which is whereby more the idea that you are given a second name. Your yeah. your, your, your parents, your, your, the, the law. Your mutant name. Your, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Neo, uh, your hacker name. But the, the whole point is you get a, a new alias that's dubbed to you. But, and it's usually, and this is true, by the way, I think in the North and in Ireland and probably everywhere else in the world where you get like, your friends say, oh, it's Backpack Jack. It's like, why is he called Backpack Jack? Well, we first saw him, he had a backpack on. It's like, yeah. what? There, <laughs> so there was a guy I went to school with called Sam. Hey, Sam, if you're listening. Who broke his, I think he broke his arm during the summer holidays. So he spent all of the summer holidays inside not doing anything instead sure. of going out and doing stuff as a kid. So he put on some weight. So for the next 10 years, he was called Fat. So, yeah. Not in a nasty way. No. We all just called him fat. Hey, fat, how's it going? Hey, fat. And I was like, looking back on that, I was like, that's a fucking horrible, horrible thing. Horrible shit. Kids I, are dumb. I was, I was bigger than that guy. <laughs> that's yeah, a, what a horrible it's, thing to well, do. It's in, in Lockstock, like, isn't it? It's so like, Tom, what have you been eating? Yeah. So, I'm normal, mate. No, nah, mate, you're fat. So yeah. He's just a normal skinny guy. Yeah. But that's the classic bullshit. Yeah. And there'll be one tiny little pointless thing. And I really like... Again, talking about the world building of Guy Ritchie, mm. that we don't get explanations for everything. You don't need it. I think, that, well, I think from a... Americans need it. <laughs> yes. From, from an, if it was an American director or a, a non-British... Yeah. Maybe non-London. Non yeah. Non-Londoner. Non-city. Non-city folk. Mm -hmm. exactly. I didn't say like non-city. I said non-city. <laughs> I think you, you, there is a version of that where you go like, he's called Bricktop because he caved a guy's head in with a brick and blah, blah, blah. You do get that for a couple of them, for like yeah. bullet dodging Boris and all that kind of stuff. Like Boris to play because he, he dodges dodges bullet. Yeah, because yeah. he dodges bullets and like they take the piss out of that. But you, you never find out why Turkish is called Turkish. You never find out like most of the yeah. explanation mm -hmm. of the nicknames, and that le that helps. I think especially for non-British listeners and mm -hmm. of of that kind of dialect and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. 
them coming and being like, God, this is like another world. It's all the, it's full of Cockney rhyming slang. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's not actually full of Cockney rhyming slang like at all. No, really it isn't. No. <laughs> you, when you think of that, you're like, oh, it's all fucking apples and pears and all this kind of stuff. Like, Lockstock no, really. has one sequence. Yes, it does. And I think yeah. Lockstock, and this I mean, about so American does Austin Powers Goldman. That's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Shat on a turtle. <laughs> What I mean is, I think Lockstock was the whole... He then orders an Aristotle of the most ping-pong tiddly in the nuclear sub and switches back to his footer. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, going the most leaning into it and then Snatch being like, we need to make this more internationally... We need to bring in Brad Pitt and make it palatable for yes. international yeah, audiences. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and then funnily enough, because there were all the complaints from Americans of like, we can't understand what they're talking about, when they brought in Brad Pitt, they were like, Oh, you can't understand what they're talking about in that film. You need a we'll dialect sh- coach, We'll show you. Yeah, you're fuck, mate. You need. Hey, look, so much heck of two roof lights. Who knows? We'll never know. Uh, but yeah, I love that Brad Pitt has talked about that process a lot and how he had a dialect coach. Yeah. And like, he, he, to his own kind of credit, he was being honest about it. And like, I didn't really like get it most of the time. And I think I messed it up a lot, but that's kind of... He kind does. of the fun of it of he, like yeah I didn't nail that accent but I don't think that's the important thing the important thing is it's a believable accent for an Irish traveller so you're like yes. I don't fucking know what like it sounds believable because most people first of all don't have context for that yes and he speaks so quickly and there are people who speak with that kind of hybrid Irish English super quick like yeah that mm. kind of style of of speech it's also purposeful obfuscation. Yes, absolutely. It yeah. is designed to throw you the fuck off. Yeah, yeah, and he's meant to be incomprehensible oh, to most Turkish and Tommy and everyone yeah, else. Turkish yeah, Turkish and Tommy who are our point of view characters. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it's not like everyone around him understands him. Yeah, exactly. but not yeah. the people from outside. The yeah, end. yeah. So. I love the when the the rest of his family just still like like as if ten people were saying the same thing is any clearer than one person saying the same thing. Yeah. Dags, and he's like, and everybody says dags. He's like, oh, dogs, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which again is hilarious because Stephen Graham, being from Liverpool, he's so, a proper dogs. Yeah, yeah, I like dogs. And I was like, yeah. you wouldn't say it like that, would you? Dogs, <laughs> really like overenunciating. I like dogs. <laughs> yeah, the the accents and the the dialogue in particular. I mean, the reason I pulled out all those quotes from basically just two characters this whole time. There are so many quotes and clips and mm. moments I could have pulled out for those. For the EPs and the VIPs, it's such a quotable film. I remember, yeah, being obsessed with it. It was one of those like, okay, I, I don't need to see Snatch for another ten years now because every motherfucker I know is just quoting it over what, and over and over would again. Would you f- say it's f- fair to say it's an event film in the sense that it was it had an impact, had it a presence, and then was diluted by too many of them? Uh, yeah, because Lockstock came out of nowhere. Very much on the independent scene. Yeah, and it was perfectly timed because it was at the height of the whole, like, Cool Britannia, Britpop was at its sort of, yes. not quite at its peak anymore, but it was... It's fresh in people's minds. It was still fresh in people's minds. It was... Train spotting was a couple of years before. Train, train spotting. Yeah. It was also New Labour had just got yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. So they, they, there was a whole sense of, like... Different era. Tank, yeah, yeah. Britain's on the up and up. Exactly. Um, and so to have this kind of exciting new voice, haha, come out of Britain, <laughs> was seen as this this you know interesting thing. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot, I think, of not necessarily pressure, but like when it was announced, like, oh yeah, he's gonna do, he's he's got these new films coming out, and it's got Brad Pitt in it. 
you know, and Brad Pitt, who's working for free to be in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who's just off of stuff like Fight Club. Yeah. Uh, this is peak, peak yeah. Brad Pitt. He's about to do Ocean's Eleven. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, crazy yeah. shit. Yeah. And we're talking like Seven and Fight Club have been pretty recent and yeah. stuff like that. Meet Joe Black. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone's favorite. Hey, but you're um, speaking of accents, fucking hell. Oh, yeah. oh fuck. Well, yeah. <laughs> Same dialect, coach. Um, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it did have a. I can remember there being buzz about it, even as someone who was 14 when this film came out, mm-hmm. um, that there was a sense of excitement. And it was, it was also the era of like lads mags. It was. And, and that, it very much. I was surprised going back to to Snatch that despite the title, there's not a huge amount of like horrible male gaze. It basically has very few women in it at no, all. Most I mean, absent, that, yeah. Um, that helps, I guess, yeah, in a yeah. way, in a weird way. Um, because I think so many of the imitators, and you can certainly argue that, uh, you know, in its own way, that. Guy Ritchie's early stuff, especially, is is a Tarantino imitation. Yeah, um, I see that. But sort of Britished up. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was definitely after Lockstock came out, there was a huge wave of imitators of it, and you got stuff at the at the best end of it. You got stuff like Essex Boys, and then you know, God knows how many dreadful, oh, wrecky, yeah. straight to DVD, so many, man, so many, straight to Sky TV special, <laughs> launching the career of Danny Dyer. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, um, you know, all those films came out of it, and they tended to always have like, oh yeah, and then they meet up in a strip club, yeah, um, yeah. and you know, all those kind of scenes. Um, and I, yeah, I was like, because I hadn't seen Snatch until we, until rewatching it for this, I don't think I'd seen it since I was about. 17 mm. all right interesting yeah. um and i so my memories of it were hazy very hazy well let's interrogate that a bit so your imagination imagination your memory recollection from when you were younger would have been as you say that level of like oh it's cool and larry naughty boys doing naughty things that kind of thing yeah what's your take on it now it's, it's also a 20 year old 23 year old film so it's not it's a classic this hasn't aged well yeah this hasn't aged well but yeah yeah it's, I mean, it's fascinating because it obviously is a crime film, but it's also kind of like there's moments of it that are much more, you can tell Guy Ritchie's loves Raging Bull. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, and there's those sequences in it. And it, it that was, water shot is very good. Yeah. Oh, the punch up and then down yeah. into the water. Yeah. 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 I was surprised at how much the it revolves around the boxing match. Right. Because I kind of... I knew. I obviously knew because that's basically the point of Brad Pitt's character <laughs> that he's a, an yes. amazing, uh, uh, unpredictable boxer, but incredibly proficient. Yeah, one punch death machine. But I'd forgotten that that was basically the focus of the entire film. I thought that was more of a side plot mm. uh, that kind of weaved its way in and out. Mm. Um, and it's like, no, that's basically the the entire impetus for the plot. You are led to believe by the marketing uh, that it is diamond based mm. but that's the MacGuffin that travels around while the real story takes place yeah and I wouldn't be surprised if he'd written a diamond story and then Brad Pitt came along and said I really love Lockstock I'll be in your next film and he says mm. I can't afford you mate you, I, I can't afford that and he says, yeah. then I'll do it for free just give me per, per DM stuff you know walk around yeah, yeah. Like, 
fine. And then I, I need to force a thing into this narrative. Because yeah. if you've been writing a story, you know, 90, was it 97, 98 when mm. Moxler came out? Two years later, your script's already in production and Brad mm. Pitt approaches you. You're absolutely going to say, well, I've already got the story. Yeah. Cram this one in here. Yeah, yeah. And make it big because it's Brad Pitt. Yeah. That, I, I, w- I could put money on it, that being how it's gone down. Yeah. Yeah. That the script then kind of mutated into. Yeah. Which yeah. is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, again, how you say how you remember things and what pulls focus. Yeah. I have a weird kind of experience because I'm a bit younger than you guys. So they're almost like nine or 10 when the film mm. came out. And so I have no context for when it actually mm. came out. But like I said, I remember it being quoted to death in like the school playground and mm. stuff, right? Somebody probably, I can't remember for the life of me, got a copy of it on DVD or something. Yeah, and then yeah. Yeah. It made the rounds or it was at somebody's birthday party and they had the cool mum that let us mm. watch whatever we want. It was like, we've got Snatch and we're 15. It's an 18. Mm-hmm. It's got yes. some really playful, very clever, very funny punch-up dialogue. Oh, yeah. it's And, and I'm, not, I'm not just saying this in the sense of like, oh, it's 2000s, it was good, but hideously offensive. It's like, no, no, no. It was genuinely a very whip smart. Yeah. Because as you say, you would want to deliver those insults. Like, That's a really good insult for a 14 year old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's so many good, especially from Bricktop. I think he is like the, the lines of his that always stick out in my mind. Emma and I will regularly quote Bricktop at each other just out, out That's of the That's a very weird look into your relationship. <laughs> isn't, isn't, isn't it just? I'll um, feed you to a fucking pig. Pretty much. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I even edited out like a couple of C words in there. I'm like, <laughs> not yeah. sure if I can include those as the EPMV. I thought about because they're they're in that same conversation. I was like, uh, maybe not. Maybe bit much. Bit much I, like I do, four I, minutes into the episode. I do love a villain who has a quiet moment. And this thing about Bricktop, he is a very good representation of an underworld character, no matter what country you're in or, or what gangland you're talking about. Because it's not the big Barry the Baptist or some fucking giant character from Lost of War and Snatch or anything like that. You know, it's the big bruisers that you want to watch out for. It's the quiet old person. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, some matriarchal patriarch who runs the system, who is a mean commands the respect for being an horrible bastard. And for me, it's the line in the quiet words of the Virgin Mary, come again. (laughs) And it's the whole like, whatever you're about to say is the wrong answer. (laughs) And I'm going to be fucking livid. Yeah. It's everyone's scary granddad. I've yeah. Like, yeah. Even like the, the bit where he snaps at the guy at the boxing match. You stop me when I'm walking in and I'll cut your fucking Jacobs yeah. off. Yeah. And literally does. snicks the guy and yeah. he comes away with his hand full of blood. It's like, oh God. Yeah. Like he doesn't just, no, just talk the talk. He does walk the walk as well. And just yeah. like, I can't be dealing with grasses and like just has people killed mm. at a moment's notice and all this kind of stuff. He's a brilliant horrible villain for so many reasons but like i said my dad would be like yeah i know people like that who who walk around on the streets commanding respect by being horrible to everyone yeah and just having outwardly polite that's the that's the english side that's the key part the faux tradition of being gentlemanly yeah even though you are sweet enough yeah 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 yeah. but it's it's, it's the (laughs) it's the stepping backwards and he goes eh I just had those polished. Yes. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, and the yeah. thing is, and I think just to bring this in here for a second, because you're right, the characters are the thing that stand out. The actual story is the thing that sort of gets washed into it and the lines and the dialogue and the exchange. It's, it's just an explosion of vignetted bits, which again adds to that nostalgia mindset of, I remember this. And that's why it feels like Richie's just talked to a load of people and said, oh, there was a guy I knew. It's oh, got that, a lot so of I knew these, these, They tried to rob 
I think it was a bookies or something. I can't remember. Yeah. And they just like, they lock themselves in the fucking idiots. Can you believe it? Like, yeah. unbelievable. Well, that, that whole plot with um, Tyrone yeah. and, and those characters, he literally collected anecdotes of like burglaries gone wrong yeah, and exactly. stuff like that and was just like, and let's put them all in this. <laughs> yeah. They're going to make every mistake that stupid criminals have ever made. And that's what makes it somehow more believable and grounded because you go, you silly plonkers. And then when it's resolved so simply with just opening the oh, front yeah. door, it's like, you're right. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that is a, a very, and I, I don't know, um, the, the mistake with anything of this nature, say, ah, oh, so London, because it is, but that's not just London. That's what makes it in the same way that like South Korean movies are like, oh, it's so South Korea. That's so Seoul right now. It's like, Parasite is everywhere. Mm-hmm. That relates it. So the idea of just sit, naughty, again, like naughty people doing naughty things, mm. that's everybody who's gone through a tough time economically and, and, and going into that late 90s with there's multiple crashes. And it just really emulates Michael Caine's 60s level. Yeah. So the, the 30s yeah, nostalgia. I mean, that's, yeah, that's obviously something that it's also hearkening back to is, yeah. is all that era of, of London and, and, and British crime dramas and, yes. and stuff like that. Because um, we're in that nostalgia loop of every 30 years we swing yeah, yeah. back round and it was the late 60s, early 70s, and now it's the late 90s, early 2000s, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious. Do you think Guy Ritchie would have made a good director for Pain and Gain? Fuck, what the fuck, Tim? That's a very interesting one. Uh, are we saying Pain and Gain as it is set in America, the actual story, or has yes. he moved it to England? What uh, the as, fuck? As it is, because I, I, that's that's... I stupid actually, people yeah. being, right. doing stupid crimes. I wondered what the fuck, no, you, what connection you were pa- making. Pain and gain is 100%. These guys are fucking idiots yeah. who don't realise how they're cluelessly bungling around. Yeah. My um, favourite thing about pain and gain is how much Mark Kermode hates it. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I actually think he could. Him or, or maybe um, Adam McKay. Yeah. Because um, you need someone with a comedic sensibility, which is, by the way, why the, the comedy angle really harkening up, because it does, it's, it's as much comedy as it is yeah. crime mm. or heist or anything like yeah. that at all, because it, it tries to be funny and quippy with everything. You, know, you know, the MCU films being, well, but, but, you know, it's going to be silly and serious. Like, there's a lot of really serious, heartfelt stuff, some really good fucking neat, some great needle drops. Um, massive attack coming in with the, with the, the caravan burning. Mm. While she was still asleep inside. It's fucking, yeah, yeah. that's some really and again that harkens back to that Tarantino mindset of mm. like punch him when, in this moment and you got Brad Pitt's wailing and it obviously leads into the story Yeah, but at the same time in addition to that that presentation and feel it has a really strong emotional dramatic core to it but there's so much that's in there it's, it's silly mm. it's violent silly and, and, and yeah. deadly silly but still funny. like let's go Tony and it's like oh I accidentally shot him Yeah, this indestructible bloke Got clipped by an American by mistake. Yeah. That, that, that ironic, like, this is really stupid. So much so that Matthew Vaughan, who's a producer on both Lockstock and Snatch. And who did Layer Cake as well. That's the thing. Yeah. His directorial debut is Layer Cake. Yeah. And he purposely said, Layer Cake is a really funny book, but I need to s- step apart from the Guy Ritchie stuff. Yeah, because otherwise I'm just going to be a Guy Ritchie imitator. That's entirely it. And I think Matthew Vaughan is probably the stronger director than... Richie at times. I think they both go mm. interesting things because yeah. I think they both have an interesting visual flair. But then if you take about their lowest points, they have the same sort of this doesn't work. Yeah, I think the 
I think the problem is is that Guy Ritchie's chosen worse films to make. That's fair. Oh, oh yeah, I remember He's you made, made Aladdin. Shite no, no, Aladdin, by the way, isn't a bad film. It's fine. It's just like, why are you doing this? Um, so yes, just to, just to bring us back, because obviously I think we can all appreciate that Snatch is a decent-ish film. It's all right. It's not bad. But again, it's the whole, but why are we covering it on this episode? Because we're not like, I don't think any of us are massively so passionate about it. Like we all, because if this was 10, 15 years ago, then yes, I absolutely would be. That's what I mean. Yeah. And I think that's the key point here. We, we obviously, you know, Stargate the other time, one of the most recent Hellboy and things like that. There's easy ones with the well-being with science fiction. What this in sort of uh, points to me is that Guy Ritchie is constantly trying to launch sequels and shared universes. His Sherlock Holmes film getting a sequel, it feels like he would happily film 50 of those goddamn yeah. things if he could. Him doing the King Arthur films and saying this is going to be one of six or seven films. Yeah, yeah. No, it ain't. Man uh, from Uncle. Man from Uncle. Again, yeah. thing that's designed to be... Um, Ruse de Guerre, oh, which God. is actually Operation Fortune Ruse yeah. de Guerre, because the Operation Fortune is like, we could do a lot of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I respect that to a degree, but I'm also like, and also in, in Rock and Roll, it ends with, you know, these characters will return in that sort of classic Bond way. I'm like, mm. did they ever? It's like, I don't know if he gets tired and just puts it down or he just can't get off the ground. But we discussed with, like, with Snatch, for example, the idea like it is a thing that's come back to being redone so many times or whatever, because it's, it's kind of an easy one. You, you just make a sort of very convoluted, ridiculous, silly romp with some crime, with some silly characters who are memorable, do some very clever writing in there. Um, and make, it, make it visually distinct. Make and... it visually distinct and speak to the time. So I think that's why Rock and Roller and The Gentleman feel like they're already snatched sequels to a degree, except for the yeah. repeating characters. Because of the fact it's like, um, you know, snatch feels like a late 90s, early 2000s state of where the country is, what's changing. Um... Um, Britain re-establishing itself in a different way to the, the new Labour government, for example, in 97. This idea of London being cool again and Britpop really putting on centre stage, being of interest to Americans, therefore putting them into this thing. Rock and Roller is all about, well, a lot of things, but also kind of just the housing market, specifically about land and brick and mortar stuff. That's what the underwriting thing. Um, the gentleman's got lots of things going on, mostly about drugs, yes, but it's also about the relationship of and the power of the press there's all these little digs about contemporary britain that i find quite interesting in there so it feels like snatch should have a sequel because snatch kind of does have pseudo sequels yeah absolutely but on in the same breath i can absolutely understand why snatch didn't get a sequel at the time oh yeah because i think September 11th happens and it's not the kind of story that certainly American audiences want to see anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that also Tonal we talk shift. about how it captures the spirit of kind of London, maybe a little bit, you know, it's made in 2000, maybe it's capturing the spirit of London in like 1996 or whatever, but you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think that, the the that moment of britain's kind of cultural capital being in a very specific place faded very quickly um and and for a lot of the next decade we became very subordinate to america yeah, um, yeah that's true. you know in terms of 
political decisions and in terms of cultural decisions as well, I think. I agree. Um, and I think that Snatch just, it doesn't feel like you could make a, a, a Snatch sequel and it, we we shall see where all of us have ended up, but yeah, I, yeah. but I can't imagine like a two thousand and four snatch sequel, even though that would be like the natural place, you know, two thousand three, yeah. two thousand four. Even though that's the natural place to put it, it would it somehow feels not appropriate. I'll give you a, a an example to to both back up and counter your point a little bit, Tim. Specifically, I agree with you. Um, because we mentioned about that new frontier of Britain, and then after 2001, because people in this country go, eh, 9-11, didn't really affect us much. Like, we went to war, Yes, yeah, dickhead, um, because Blair became Bush part two. Yeah. And committed some war crimes. And all that whole, like, oh, you were meant to be the centre-left. And it's like, yeah, fuck you, I'm going to war. And this country went, no, thank you. And then there were bombings in London, and it's like, nope. I mean, again... 90s at IRA, so you know there was always bombings in London, but this is a, there's a different level of terrorism in that there was one incident of major incidents where seven yeah. seven, and everyone was like, I say seven seven, not a lot of people like shorthand that. No one really knows that one. It's like, oh yeah, bomb went off in London. That's that's how it usually feels. But that, the train, the tube bombings. Yes, absolutely, yeah. and the and the bus. Yeah, yeah, and that, but that 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 consciousness of they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. This this this, this ridiculous xenophobic fear, but yeah. also justified and blah blah, based on the war we did. Um, but the point I was going to get to was it, it hit differently and you're right, Britain became a very different place. And then after that crash and the housing crisis stuff, and then after that austerity with um, conservative government and blah, 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 blah. But 2004 is an interesting one because you're right. Um, there was the exact tonal bullet that came through. So in 1997, for argument's sake, there was a, the world is in a very dark place. It's like, well, some of the world. Some, some of the world who care about this one thing, sure. Uh, I'll get to what I'm talking about in a second. What can we do to elevate this country and maybe the world? The incident was, of course, the death of Diana. Prince <laughs> of, I was like, uh, if you don't know who that is, what? Good. <laughs> you live a better life than me. Um, yeah, uh, Lady Princess died. Um, <laughs> what on the shit are you talking about, man? Hang on. So 1997, the Lady country was in a... Lady Princess I don't know what she fucking referred to her as. Uh, so, Christ. Diana Spencer. The Thank point you. is that um, she died, and the country was in a really weird place, and a lot of other countries were feeling the effect because they didn't understand either. But the full Monty came out, and that comedy elevated things like, oh, it's all right, though, because we've got this. It's heartfelt. Oh, yes, that British film. Full Monty? Yeah. From Sheffield? British. It's made by an American production company. Oh yeah, but yeah. it's yeah, but it's still very British. It's like everyone behind the scenes is American. Oh, basically. I know that. That's their money, but it's our story. Yeah. <laughs> but, the, but the point I was trying to make is that that is um, replicated in 2004 in a strange way with Shaun of the Dead because you still have that. It's set in London, but you don't really know what part of London. It feels like a real version of London. It's quirky and silly, and it's and, a real and, neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's very much a uh, a palate cleanser. Of everything is shit right now. And it's yeah. Like, but it's very silly. So you get the zombie, like, oh my God, there's terrible things outside. But it's like, shall I put the kettle on? It's the whole, let's make a bit of light in it. I'm not saying, Edgar, I'm definitely not giving Edgar Wright credit for this. Saying that, you know, they were intentionally trying to soften the tone or doing the you know, that. But that's the only place I could see Snatch 2, for argument's sake, kind of working, you know, having that bit of levity to it. But they'd have to do a lot to amp it up to that point. Yeah. So, I mean, we've talked a fair bit about 
Snatch, where it sits in film history, why it deserves a sequel. Perhaps we should pitch our little uh, attempts at, at such. I'm fascinated to see where this goes. Because like you said, we could do something in 2003, 2004, 2005. Yeah. We could do fucking future sequelizers like we do in 2025 or like yep. the 25th anniversary of Snatch. So let's do it in mm. the future or like... True. Yeah. Also, as we mentioned earlier, Guy Ritchie has some bad movies that won't be missed by the world. Yeah, that's true. could do with replacing. <laughs> so there's a few, like, well, there's a few slots in his timeline, one about phrase, mm-hmm. to squeeze it in somewhere without being like, oh, no, you're ruining, you know... I can't believe he's selling his career. I know, right? Which yeah. we had with Guillermo del Toro with the, the, the Hellboy sequel. And it's like, what are you going to do? It's like, well, hang on, we've got to figure out what's going to get lost here. Because, yeah, oh, shit. It's got to fit somewhere. But yeah, Guy Ritchie... almost all of us said, while he is sort of not working, but is working on The Hobbit, let's do it then. Yes. Yeah. We can afford to lose The Hobbit. Films, but Guy Ritchie, lots of opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So let's uh, find out what we've done, shall we? We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. So let's dive in, shall we, gentlemen, and talk about some Snatch sequels. It's weird not doing Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, it is. Yeah, it is weird. Should we do some Rotten Tomatoes? Sure. We'll bust out some Rotten Tomatoes real yeah. quick. It's one film, so it's easy enough. Yeah. We're not guessing it. We're just talking about it. I'll fucking guess it. I think it's going to be one of those things that people go, yeah, really loved it. Smack it up there to the 80s, 90s. And people going, well, hang on. It wasn't that good. And it started a thing. And it's aged differently. And, oh, you know, there's quite a lot of these things. And it jettisoned like tons of straight to DVD, straight to video things. So chalk it down to 60s, 70s sort of era. So I'm going to say 71. 71. Tim, what do you reckon for Snatch and his Rotten Tomatoes? I'll give you a little hint. You may change your answer if you hear this, Matthew. Okay. 143 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Nah, I'm good. I think at the time it would have done well. I think there will be a fair amount of nostalgia for it from people doing more recent reviews. So I'm going to say a little higher. I'm going to say... 77. Ooh. You say 71, Matthew. Oh, uh, yeah, I did, didn't I? Well, uh, you're both shit out of luck because it's bang in the middle at 74. <laughs> Holy <laughs> crap! <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Interestingly, the audience score is a lot higher. That, yeah, that's why we think. Kind of what you'd expect, right? 80s, 90s? 93. Wow, buddy. And is almost exactly the same for Lockstock with 75. And also 93 on the audience I like score. them both. I like them both. I like them both. I, I think, like, growing up, I preferred Snatch. Going back as an adult, I prefer Lockstock. As Lockstock an adult, is like the connoisseurs. <laughs> as an adult on a kid, I preferred Lockstock. Interesting. Interesting. I, I, I think there was something about the seediness and the more... Felt like it was shot on 16mm, even though it absolutely was not. <laughs> but, you know, it had that more of a, a, a grungier feel to it, where Snatch had a bit more polish. Yeah. Because there's more money. Yeah. But something about it felt like, you know, anyone could have shot this in, yeah. you know, in, in, some, in a mate's pub somewhere. So, yeah. definitely, definitely. So, uh, Jack. Yeah, let me dive in. What are you going to do? I'm going to do a thing in 2018. Well, I can wow. Get okay. rid of King Arthur. I assume <laughs> like he's busy making this film. So, that fucking god awful 2017 King Arthur movie never gets made. Fair enough. 
one of the worst films I've ever seen on a plane. <laughs> I, fell, I fell asleep twice. A unique distinction. I fell asleep, woke up, and thought, "Oh God, it's still going." I was, I think, still I, going and still shit. I felt like I was asleep for like a couple of hours. Did you, did you at least miss the David Beckham bit by being asleep? I did. Yes. Oh, I well had, then. Yeah. I had no idea David Beckham was in that film for like a couple of years. <laughs> Privileged life. Yeah. I, like, I will oh, say, oh, it's Charlie Hunnam, and then <laughs> oh, he's got a sword. Okay. I have only one half decent thing to say, and that is, I genuinely like Daniel Pemberton's score for the movie. Yeah. The music is good because he's done this thing where he's taken old traditional folk music and put a bit of a deeper tone to it, but it mm. still doesn't fit the whole nonsense universe that he's working on. Yeah, indeed. Uh, surprise, surprise, I'll bring it back Guy Ritchie, because obviously... Yeah. Sure, I sure. I, that, not to guess too much here, I assume we've all done that? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's hard to imagine so, yeah. a Snap sequel without Guy Ritchie. I right? think there are people you could say are successors to the story, but if you're going to do it in a way that actually means something, and because I think if you were to release it without Guy Ritchie, People say don't count. No, yeah. it would it would be it would be pale imitation yeah, territory. Of course, of course. I think. Indeed, I agree. My film is called Tea Leaves, which, <laughs> which is Cockney rhyming slam for yeah. thieves. By the way, folks, yeah. I also may have a doublant hold. Which reminds will. me of uh, Psychoville, which is one of Daniel Kaluuya's opening sort of like debut roles on TV, yeah, yeah. and his character with breaks into steal Beanie Baby stuff by accident, or doesn't really do that. He's he looks like he's going to take him as he breaks into this part of the thing, this old man he's taking care of, and therefore the guy talking to him is tea leaf. <laughs> and subsequently, when Kaluuya won his Oscar, I think I can't remember the guy, is it Steve Pemberton or whatever it was, is the, the guy from um, uh, League, of, League, League of Gentlemen. It's like, ah, oh, tea leaf. Because <laughs> he plays the role, the, the guy's name's Oscar, and they won an Oscar. Anyway, bullshit aside, carry on. Returning cast Jason Statham as Turkish. Makes sense. Stephen Graham. As Tommy. So you're following the Turkish Tommy storyline. Indeed. Yeah. They're, the, they're the through line for you. Yeah. Um, I did plan to have potentially Avi in there. Mm-hmm. Um, or um, I assume there was a problem because of death. He's dead, yes. Um, the actor who plays Avi died quite a while before that. Yeah. Um, and oh, I can never remember the name of the actor. The the, the British bloke, Frank Frank Butcher from EastEnders. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mike, Mike Reed. Mike Reed, thank you, yeah. Is also dead, and I was like, "Oh, I can have them as like through line with the like the the follow up to the diamond and of stuff." Course. And I, I had this whole thing planned. I'll go in one direction, and I was like, "They're both dead." Um, anyway, so for context, Mike Reed died in two thousand seven. So yeah, and well, they're all like not just a little bit dead, well dead. Yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's the whole odd living, drinking, and 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 you know, giving, you don't get a that. voice like that and live into your eighties. Yeah, um, and then. The character of Avi was played by... Um, it's Dennis Farina, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dennis Farina, and he died, I want to say, t- 2013. So yeah. there you go. still very dead. Yeah. 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 I cast him in something. You did. You did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listeners, write in and tell us. Yeah, if, yeah. We, if we search in our Google Docs for Dennis Farina, I think we'll find something <laughs> hidden, hidden away somewhere. Yeah. Maybe we will. Uh, new cast. I have six names. Okay. Playing the character of Grace, I have Gemma Chan. Oh, nice. Do you like me to explain Gemma Chan for the listeners? Eternals. Eternals, yeah. She's in Eternals. Oh, that's probably her biggest credit, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy Rotations. Is, is around about the same sort of time Captain as well. Marvel. Yeah. Uh, Don't worry, darling. Yeah. Yeah, so Crazy Rich Asians is also 2018. She's just done the TV show Humans as well, which mm-hmm. is yeah. leading up to that. And yeah, 
Cersei and Eternals. Is I, the I love Gemma Chan. She's fantastic. She's brilliant. She's an incredibly good-looking human being. Suspiciously. Yeah. <laughs> I, it makes sense that she was cast as like a robot that's like... Too, too perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. As the character of Joe, I have Tom Ellis, oh. who's probably most recognisable as Lucifer Morningstar from the Lucifer TV show, mm-hmm. yeah. which is happening around about this sort of time in mm-hmm. 2018, so... Uh, he's been in a bunch of other stuff as well, but that's if you're going to know him from anywhere, it's probably from there. He's a he's a good Welsh lad, uh, good actor. Again, mm-hmm. incredibly good looking. <laughs> Just happened to have cast a bunch <laughs> of lookers in my film. I can't can't help myself. Um, next up, playing the character of Henry is Jeremy Irons. Oh, considerably older than the, mm. the previous two members of the cast. Uh, you'll probably know him as the voice of Scar in The Lion King. <laughs> As Alfred Pennyworth in the DCEU for like 15 minutes. And then uh, that's it. Because no <laughs> more Alfred in that universe. Um, next up I have, speaking of people in superhero movies and stuff, playing the character of Uncle Poe, I have Benedict Wong. Oh, I love Benedict Love Wong. it. Fucking love Benedict Wong. Uh, he will know as, funnily enough, Wong from the MCU. Yeah. <laughs> a, man, but, a man who will star in any genre stuff that you put him yep. in because he he's a big old nerd he's just the fucking best he's ridiculous and hilarious and brilliant in interviews and a big yeah. old nerd him in 15 and stories high especially 15 stories high man every time i almost every time i talk to my mum, she talks about 15 stories high and how much <laughs> she loved that show um next up playing the character of way i have henry golding who yes. in sequelizers law is in The Last Christmas, that movie we went to see that one time. <laughs> Another incredibly good looking human being. Incredibly yeah. good looking. He's yes, also in indeed. The Gentleman. He is in The Gentleman, yeah. Uh, I've, I've poached a couple of people from The Gentleman. I'm not going to fault that. It <laughs> makes complete sense. Uh, so this is before that anyway. Indeed, so. yeah. And speaking of incredibly good looking people, I swear I didn't do this on purpose. Maybe I was just horny, horny at the time. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. Uh, playing the character of Lewis is Regé Jean Page. Who is unbelievably good looking. Yeah. Just like so perfect, they made him a perfect character in the DD movie. Yeah. Uh, He's also in Bridgerton, which is obviously what he's most known for, but too far for his own good. Yeah. Too sexy for T, too hot for TV was Mm. old Regé Jean Page. Uh, And yeah, that's my cast. (laughs) Too hot for TV, but just the appropriate amount of hotness for Dungeons and Dragons. Exactly. (laughs) No, he's too too hot for that as well. He's just like the perfect paladin. (laughs) But anyway. I've got uh, a bunch of bullet points, so I'm just going to kind of whip through in like mini pitch style. Tommy and Turkish have gone straight and are keeping a low profile. Tommy is a mostly legitimate bookie at this point, and Turkish is finally running an MMA gym because it's modern times and boxing doesn't have the same kind of thing these days. Can be boxing, can be MMA. I'm not married to a No, no, the underground boxing's fighting scene is still a thing in London, Mm -hmm. but let's face it, it's branched down to how else can I smash your face? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, I know Guy Ritchie is a huge like MMA and Jiu Jitsu yeah. guy and all that kind of stuff. He attends the UFC stuff regularly and is actively friends with a bunch of UFC people. So mm. he would fucking love. I, I have this is one of those like if he is going to do it. And I'm glad you mentioned it earlier, Tim. Like, it's a lot of boxing in that movie. I'm like, yeah, yeah there is because he <laughs> fucking loves boxing. Man loves a fight. So I'm leaning into the MMA side of things, as as you will see in a moment. Uh, so Turkish is running an MMA gym with an aging but undefeated fighter in. Joe, the character played by Tom Ellis, as his champion, who he helped save from a life of crime when Joe was younger. So to put that into perspective, Jason Statham is like 17, 18 years older than Tom Ellis. Mm-hmm. 
So he's like in his mid to late 30s at this point, which is old for a fighter. Yeah. Yes. That is like you're pushing past your prime him yeah. and maybe it's time to retire kind yes. of thing. So but he's Statham's 56 currently, now. Yes. So yeah, he'd yeah. be early 50. 50s. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, yeah. I was sorry. I was, I, was, I was like, oh, yeah, it's like two years ago. I'm like, no, man. <laughs> the pandemic. Five oh, yeah. years ago. It was five years ago. Yep. Yeah. That big black hole of time. Yep. Time is a flat circle indeed. In a nearby pub. While discussing bets on upcoming fights, because of course they're not fully legit, and he's working on MMA and stuff, and Tommy's uh, shuffling around making some bets for him. Mm-hmm. The 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 duo, the pair, witness a racist attack on Grace and Way, a British Asian couple. Turkish jumps in to help Grace, and between them, they fend off the thugs. Grace thanks Turkish for the help, and after seeing her fighting skills, Turkish invites Grace to train at his gym. Grace and her partner Way begin training at Turkish's gym. And Joe, basically helping him prepare for his big title defense against an upcoming younger boxer named Lewis. That's Reza Jean Page's character. We see that Henry, Joe's father and his original trainer, is now training Lewis in revenge. I've gone quite creed with this, as you can mm. tell already. Scott Stapp. It's Scott St- full Scott Stapp. <laughs> Flipping the boys, as I called them. Oh, Jesus. How can I lose a Jesus? I'll fight you. Jesus, yep. <laughs> he would fight you. You know, they, you know, we joked about it. Yeah, they're doing a reunion like cruise <sighs> thing of like nineties bands, including headlined by Creed. Nope. We we will that. You know how we often like accidentally like cast. Like, I say <laughs> we mostly me accidentally cast pedophiles. Yes, and like cause people to die and stuff. Yes, we caused creed to come back and by I, we i mean me i think what's going to end up happening one day is we're going to do something terrible like bringing creed back and people are going to say well you gotta do something now a stretch goal for the patreons uh, okay bring if back you get to creed. this point what happens then you all go on that cruise no <laughs> no there's a rest so. there's a wrestling cruise that i would like to go no, on you can't, no. No, no, nothing you like listen i would happily get food poisoning in the presence of scott stab <laughs> <laughs> With your mouth wide open. <laughs> Very good. Under yes. the toilet. My mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway. Okay. During his preparation, Joe has secretly been taking steroids to keep up with the younger fighters. Naughty, naughty. I know. Tommy learns of Joe's drug use and confronts Turkish, blaming Grace and Way for him. They defend themselves and say they've heard of drug deals, but have nothing to do with them. Turkish defends them as basically calling them, ah, they're good kids, don't worry about them, kind of stuff. Uncle Poe, the leader of the Woshing Triad, has been behind the rise in drugs and learns that another triad, the 14K, have been dealing in his territory. The triad's territories have started expanding into each other, and Turkish's gym is caught in the middle of the expansion. Classic. Getting all caught up. I will bear in mind now, my pitch doesn't sound very funny. It's much more funny... There's little quips and jokes yeah. and F's and C's all no, over it's, the place. It's a, var- it's a very, very, very valid point. On paper, the scenario has to be deathly serious. Mine sounds really fucking... I, I read through mine earlier and I was like, this is really fucking dour. But if you do, but if you do that with like <laughs> Snatch and Lockstock, it sounds miserable and grim yeah. shit. It's only the way they talk to each other makes it much yeah. more light-hearted. And Bricktop has a guy killed with a plastic bag. You're like, oh yeah, that sounds And then he's real. eaten by a pig. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> And this is a comedy, right? It's like, I'm laughing my Everybody's off. laughing about the pigs. It's hilarious. That's fucking... He chopped them up into pits. The Irish you have to pile family. them all together. It's you don't want to go in a picking... caravan. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh... I mean, that's the not funny bit, to be fair. No, it's not funny at all. Joe is convinced to stop taking the steroids, but begins struggling with the training. 
Henry appears at the gym to taunt Joe about his upcoming fight with Lewis. Uncle Poe orders an attack on the turf over near Turkish's gym and a huge fight with guns and fists flying everywhere breaks out. Both sides are wounded and the police are eventually called by Tommy, causing the survivors to scatter. So big action shootout scene type thing. Things settle down after the attack as Turkish repairs the damage to the gym during Joe's final days before the big fight. In retaliation to him calling the police, a few nights later a group enters Tommy's betting shop and smashes the place up. During the attack, Tommy tries to fend them off, but is shot and killed. I kill off Tommy, everybody. Oh, shit. The attack is blamed on Grace, along with the allegations that she's a member of the 14K triad. Everybody thinks the Chinese people are all in it together. Oh, classically, yeah. Turkish kicks them out of the gym, unable to deal with the stress during Joe's final training camp. Joe's last days of his camp don't go well, and it's clear the lack of steroids is making a big difference in his training. Wei goes to visit Uncle Poe, revealing that he is an informant for the Woshing Triad, and tells him to call off the attacks near the gym. Uncle Poe explains that he was tipped off about the 14k intrusion by the supplier of the steroids, who is revealed to be Joe's father, Henry. He's the secret drug lord behind the whole thing, manipulating all the different of course, Chinese gangs Jeremy against each other. Jeremy Irons can't be trusted. Is an horrible white guy manipulating people of colour, basically. Giving that brick top thing of like, I've got to have these things happen my way. And blah, 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 blah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And everyone is blaming, oh, it's some Chinese kids, they're probably causing yes. trouble. Actually, no, it's the old white guy who's been long and has been... live the king. Exactly, exactly. At Tommy's funeral, Wei confronts Joe about his father and the two break out in a fight. Joe says he hasn't had a real conversation with his father in years and Grace manages to break the two up. Wei storms off and Grace follows him and tries to calm him down. Henry is revealed to be the drug lord behind the steroids to everyone and also Tommy's killer. He was involved. We have a little flashback oh. of like, he's the one that pulls the trigger It's on a classic. Tommy. Yeah, we see that in you the gentleman the cops see it on in us. Snatch. You see it in everything. It's exactly. Like, Let me yeah. show you that too again from this side of the angle yeah, of the room. Exactly. Yeah. The, cam the, the classic Guy Ritchie camera pans around and you see yeah, yeah. Jeremy Irons with the gun kind of thing. And, and as I just alluded to, he's been manipulating both sides from the shadows all along. At Joe's fight, Turkish confronts Henry, now knowing the truth, between rounds, but gets banned from ringside when the two start fighting. Without Turkish's support and the steroids, Joe loses to Lewis and retires in the ring. Again, oh. sounds very dour. Backstage, Turkish and Joe have an emotional reunion. So we have a nice kind of like found father, found son kind of moment there. Henry goes to visit Joe's locker room, but Grace and Wayne meet him in the hallway, kind of blocking him off, stopping him from going to see his son and they throw a fucking bag over his head and drag him into a van outside the back of the venue. In the van, Henry is met face to face with Uncle Poe, who promptly slits his throat, leaving him to die in the back of the van. Oh! Benedict Wong is not to be fucked with. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Uncle Poe steps out with Wei and Grace, and they meet back up with Turkish. Turkish silently shakes hands with Uncle Poe as the truce is called on the area near his gym. Yeah, it's, it, again, that's the thing you tend to see. is like, mm. something happened in the back of the van, Things are over. It's not really copacetic, but it's yeah, it's stopped. The enemy yeah. of the enemy is my friend. I'm yeah. like, mm, we're on a uneasy, truce. uneasy kind of yeah. truce kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, that is I like my, that. Yeah. My, my dower. Well, no, no, because I think <laughs> pitch. I main, I main, I maintain that with every single one of these Guy Ritchie London tales, we're mm. going to call them. 
They are miserable as fuck. So yes, it, it should be uh, London Tales: Colon T. Lewis. It's the new, it's the new series. The new thing, yeah. yeah. In rock and roll, it's like like the amount of drug use and stuff yeah. and the misery, mm. and in uh, and like like feeding people to crayfish. Yeah. Um, and in 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 the gentleman like Mickey putting people in like freezer lockers and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and I'm pretty sure people have fed to crabs as well. Um, but. It's not feeding people to things. Yeah. yeah. To be fair, that could I, be... I didn't have that in my one, Mossad crabs. It could have just been like a code for like Israeli soldiers. Um, <laughs> but the point is, yeah, it's miserable and dark and dull. You know, yeah. what's the scenario? Oh, uh, my, Matthew McConaughey's character's wife nearly gets raped. It's like, this sounds yeah. terrible. There's the whole point of these kind of films and the whole thing with Tarantino is the like, yes. oh, the normal everyday human shit is happening around while like, oh, they're joking while they're cutting up a body or like... Oh, they're about to rob a bank, and they're mm. all discussing Madonna or whatever. Like, yes, that that kind of bringing the mundanity to hardened crime. Yeah, things that should be scarring for us in real life. It's like it's an everyday job for me. Yeah, mm. and exactly. so like, can you imagine describing like manual labor, like building a house or working in the back of a mm. uh, a factory or something, and like the physicality of it all? That's it's really grueling. Yeah, but we just have a laugh when we're doing it. It's like, yeah, but how do you get on with you know someone who's never had that kind of job? That sounds like. Like, oh, like working in a mine. It's like, you must have been miserable. Oh, mm-hmm. we had a great time. It's like, yeah. What? Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, no, I, I, it sounds yeah. solid. I like you leaning into the um, MMA side of things, uh, the fighting and stuff. There'll be some good fighting direction yeah. stuff, some mm. training stuff. We've seen in Revolver and, uh, and, and, and uh, the gentleman that there's already that sort of Chinese London kind of connection. Yep. Anyway, mm-hmm. things like so yeah, it's quite cool. Yeah, like uh, partly influenced by the gentleman there, like pulling on those. Well, if you didn't like it, taking the things thing, you like, like from it and re- yeah. reworking yeah. it. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of, I get it. I get it. I think. Uh, Tim, do you want to go next? Yeah, mine's a, mine's mine's. I will say mine's a bit more light-hearted in tone. I mean, yeah, still but, but equally, it's got room where you could put in some more darkness, yeah, and stuff like that. Someone gets bashed in the face, exactly, with a car door. <laughs> oh. Um, so my film comes out in 2012. Oh, interesting. Ah. Um, what's Guy Ritchie up to in 2012? He's kind of between stuff That's at that point, so cool. it's not yeah. really replacing anything. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. We no still problem. get, still get, unfortunately, get King Arthur in this too. We, but I'll we're, take it. we're in between, if I remember correctly, the first Sherlock Holmes film and the second one. I think, I think, possibly, uh, 2011 yeah. and 2014 or something. Yeah, like that. something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, maybe I'm right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, this would be a little bit smaller, smaller scale. Um, back to his roots before then doing another big Hollywood thing magic. Yeah, sure, like a palate cleanser almost. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Before um, thinking, time to do Aladdin. Yeah. Oh, what a weird choice. I spoke to someone the other day, and admittedly, they were only like 17. Um, but they were like, oh, I prefer the live-action Aladdin to the original. <sighs> Jeez. Um, their, 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 their justification was that um, it was a, a girl who I work with, and she was like... Princess Jasmine is a nothing character in the original, and she has more to do in the. Sure. <laughs> sure. I, sure. Again, I can't fault it. I understand it. I see the logic, and this is when people say, "Who needs film for?" Yeah. The next generation of young people who want to see themselves do stuff yeah. in films. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah, makes sense. But yeah, fair play, fair play. Carry on. Again, I I gave it like a three out of five or a four out of five. I think it's all right as a film. It's fine. It's fine. So yeah, uh, twenty twelve. My film is called Fetch. Ah, snatch, fetch. I'll see you yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah, it. Yeah. That is so fetch. Returning cast, Jason Statham as Turkish. Okay. Yeah. Stephen Graham as Tommy. Yeah. 
<laughs> have we all done this where it's just Turkish and Tommy? <laughs> I have to wait and see. Oh, mine. I'll have to tune in to find out. Uh, new cast. I've got quite a few. Okay. They're all Jason Statham. <laughs> yep. It's just da- J- Jason Statham in different wigs. <laughs> uh, I never liked Jason Statham in a wig. It always makes me. Deep, I, deeply uncomfortable. Him growing out his hair for revolver is interesting. Oh, it, growing out the hair is yeah, yeah I, that works. But wigs, wigs. Yeah. Mm. Um, as Maximilian, I have uh, Ravil Isianov, who uh, is one of those guys. You'll see the picture of him, and you'll go, "Oh, oh I know I he's know. from something." He's in like K nineteen, The Widowmaker. <laughs> wow. Okay. Defiance. Um, lots of things we need defiance lots of TV, the TV show defiance uh, not defiance the TV show defiance the Daniel Craig oh, fighting the Nazis yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah basically anything where you need a, 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 a slightly creepy Eastern European and you've already killed off the one you were going to use from the from oh, that yeah. guy yeah yeah, he's, yeah yeah he's that other guy yeah, yeah. I mean. uh, as Shet Kahan oh. Sasha Baron Cohen okay very good okay a man who can be Exceedingly British when he needs to be. Yeah, uh, him in uh, weird enough Sweeney Todd, mm. where he breaks character, being the most Italian yeah. nonsense, <laughs> and he goes, "Oh yeah, no, I used to be, uh, I used to sit right here." And yeah, like, oh. uh, Baron Cohen can be very, yeah, very chameleon, like when he needs yeah. to be. As Ketchup Spiegel, <laughs> <laughs> already funnier than my pitch, Tim. You haven't said a word yet. Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, here we go. That's- that's pretty good. Here we so this is go. pretty oh, much gosh. immediately after the Harry Potter's, Harry Potter's have finished. Yeah. Twenty eleven is the last yeah, one. He's, isn't it? Yeah. he's just about to do stuff like horns and um, I quite like horns. I Woman like horns, in black yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Now so. you see me too. <laughs> oh yeah, because he's a magician. Get it? He's uh, got the magic in him. <laughs> he asked nicely. <laughs> Have you got some magic in you? Would, <laughs> Would you, you like, like a some? little more? <laughs> oh dear. Uh, Jesus boys. As Digby, I have uh, Michael Socher. Um he's a British actor. Um again, the kind of face you'll recognize. He's been in a lot of like Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah. genre stuff in the UK. I don't think he's mm-hmm. really had any major film roles yet, but um yeah, again. Being, being human, this is England, like a lot yeah, of like, yeah, yeah the mid two thousands, early twenty ten mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Uh, as Sim, I have uh, Shazad Latif, mm. who is probably well. He's variously known. He was the spoilers for Star Trek Discovery, the Klingon who'd been turned into a human guy. I hate yes. that plotline. Uh, yeah. He, if, if you know Toast of London, he's Clem Fandango. He is. I can hear you, Clem Fandango. Yes. Uh, he's in uh, Penny Dreadful. Yes, he, he's he plays... Jekyll and Hyde, isn't he, or something? Yes, he plays yeah, Jekyll. Yeah. He's Jekyll. Yeah. Jekyll. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he's genuinely a... And that sounds like a stupid thing to say, a good actor. Yeah. But he's, he's really good, so I, that's a very interesting choice. Yeah. Uh, as Candice, Rachel Sterling, uh, another British actress... Um, she's been in a bunch of stuff. She was in uh, Tipping the Velvet. Um, again, mostly British TV stuff. Yeah. She's got what I would describe as a sort of northern face. Yeah. Um, in the sense that... Um, she's, from, she's from London. No, I know, I know. But the, again, there's, uh, <laughs> I can't remember the actor's name now. Um, uh, Michelle Dockery, for example. Mm. Yes. Um, she she looks like she could be her sister for arguments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very similar features. And it's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Cassandra, Rosamund Pike. Oh, uh, I like a bit of Rosamund Another Pike. Another one nice. who looks 
similar features face yeah. in my eyes. Um, as Big Vince, uh, Jimmy Akingbola, uh, who mm. is best known at the moment, he is he plays Jeffrey in the Fresh Prince of Bel Air reboot. Yes. Oh wow, okay. a, a younger, sexier Jeffrey. Um, he was um, Christ, he's been in quite a few things, isn't he? Yeah, remember. trying to think of some standout bits that I remember. I remember, I know him because he's from Plasto, which is where my wife is from uh-huh. in London. Um, and then a couple of minor roles uh, as Fahad, I have Omid Jalili. Nice. And as Sweet George, <coughs> I have Jason Fleming. Nice. Wait, wait, wait. I do like that there's a big Vince, but they may not be a little Vince. <laughs> no, you don't need, again, you don't need the explanation. My wife has a cousin, Pete. He's Big Pete. Mm-hmm. And then she has a, no, uh, oh, sorry, an uncle, Pete, who's Big Pete. And then cousin Pete, who's little Pete. Mm. But little Pete is also quite short. <laughs> We had we have generations of Richards in my dad's family. Oh yeah, and they all just get different versions. Dickie. Thankfully, it yeah, it's a name that is very malleable. Yeah, yeah. Rich, Richie, Dicky, RJ, Rich, and Rick slash Ricky. Yeah, I think I haven't spoken to my cousin in a very long time. He's a dickhead. Um, <laughs> Quite literally, I assume literally, Dick. Ah, oh, that's a pun, Matthew. No, that's a that's a nom de plume. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I don't think it is. Carry on. Mm, I don't know if it is. Do carry on. Uh, I think you might have a child now as well as probably Richard the the fourth. I guess. Oh, I say Richard the third. Bearing <laughs> children well, walls. RJ is dead, long dead, so he would be the third, I guess, in the living Richard. <laughs> who knows, who knows? Anyway, anyway, sweet, that's so, my cast. Sweet Very George. cool. But I like that cast. I think that's fantastic. That works. Mm. Much like with Jack's cast, it's like these are all solid. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think anyone's gonna go. Oh, I'm not sure about that. It's like, mm. no, these work. Interesting. So. We catch back up with Turkish and Tommy, who now co-own a bar called The Four Bells. Ah, nice. Uh, bought using the last of their cash from selling the diamond 10 years ago. Tommy, so we've already got you two starting in a similar place. So like, Turkish and Tommy are the last parts of the Snatch film. Mm. They're the ones who are basically the, the, the wanderers, the Mad Max who goes through yeah. the story and it all sort of rolls around I, them accidentally. Because we talked earlier about my meagre memories of Snatch. Sure. I'd forgotten that pretty much everyone in Snatch ends up dead. Yes. <laughs> a lot yeah. of people die at the end of that. And if they're alive, the actors aren't. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Because, funny enough, Vinnie Jones keeps saying, oh, yeah, we need to make Snatch 2. Mm. Sure, you ain't a minute. You, yeah. die, you get, the whole joke is that you get shot. Yeah. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's a possibility that yeah. he comes back. I guess there's a, you could do a joke of like, he yeah. does come back. I mean, he's, he's probably taken quite a few blows to the head. He might not remember which characters have died and which haven't. It's true. Maybe he's getting it confused with uh, Sphinx from Gone in 60 Seconds. Oh, fucking hell, Tim. There's a, there's That's a, a cut. There's, a, there's a weird thing, memory that I still have. Good Lord. I, I think he probably just thinks he's in Lockstock where he lives with that little boy. Yeah, again. yeah. Yeah, carry on though. So... Uh, Tommy is married to a demanding, no-nonsense woman uh, named Candice and still owns the now elderly dog that ate the diamond. Nice. Dog. Dag. So not, thank you. Uh, while Turkish and Tommy have retired from their fight-promoting days, Turkish acts as a go-between and facilitator for many of London's small-time gangsters, while Tommy insists on running a high-stakes poker game in the pub's back room, much to Turkish's annoyance. After meeting with a hippie attempting to sell them a narrowboat, who's played by a heavily made-up, borderline unrecognisable Brad Pitt. <laughs> ah, very nice. 
Oh, man. Uh, Turkish and Tommy return to the pub and are confronted by Maximilian, a Russian property developer who has bought up much of the local area, including the Four Bells. He warns Turkish not to get involved in this Duchess business, threatening to kick Turkish and Tommy out of the pub if they anger him. Mm-hmm. Elsewhere, Israeli diplomat Shet meets with his distant cousin, Ketchup Spiegel, and his two friends, Digby and Sim. Fuck's sake. Brilliant. brilliant. Shet is worried that the three are inexperienced and unreliable, but Ketchup reassures him that they are capable of retrieving what is rightfully theirs. Meanwhile, Tommy hosts a poker game involving Fahad and Big Vince, two other fixers in the London underworld. Big Vince, who is sleeping with Candice unbeknownst to Tommy, fares poorly and is forced to borrow money from Turkish and Tommy. The next day, Ketchup, Digby and Sim meet with uh, meet up with Big Vince, who connects them with a gun dealer named Sweet George, and the trio buys pistols. Big Vince tries to wheedle details about their plan out of the group, and Digby reveals they are planning a robbery of some kind. They tell Big Vince that there is one more thing that they need, but he cannot help them find it. Turkish and Tommy attend a funeral for Doug the Head, the late oh. Mike Reed, uh, paying their respects to the diamond dealer. And Turkish reunites with Doug's daughter, Cassandra, who, has a, who he has a romantic past with. The two flirt while uh, Tommy is approached by Digby and Sim, who attempt to ask him about meeting with Turkish, but their attempts to be surreptitious mean that they are instead invited to Tommy's next poker game. <laughs> lot of people talking at cross purposes thinking the other person's talking about something different both very guy ritchie and very shakespeare yeah Mm. elsewhere big vince meets with maximilian attempting to secure work so he can pay back his gambling debt maximilian realizes that big vince has met with ketchup and his friends and tells him that he will reward him if he can find out what they are up to Big Vince later confesses his troubles to Candice, who encourages him to find a solution so the pair can elope to the Canary Islands together. If that ain't the most British fucking sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Turkish and Cassandra reignite their relationship, uh, but during a fancy uh, stay at a fancy hotel, Turkish is once again threatened by Maximilian's goons. Digby and Sim attend Tommy's poker game and attempt to talk business, which is normally forbidden, but Big Vince encourages them, attempting to learn about their plans. While he learns some additional details, the two are eventually pulled out of the game by Ketchup, who was bumped into the returning Turkish. They try to get the reluctant Turkish to meet with Shet, eventually convincing him by revealing they are planning to rob Maximilian. Every time you say Digby, I don't know about you guys, I can't not see Robert Webb Running around as Sir Chicken Digby Caesar. <laughs> or Digby Chicken Caesar, I should yes. say. Digby Chicken Caesar, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to explain it. Google it. Yeah. Digby Chicken Caesar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 I'm with a fixed camera. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm seeing. But do carry on. Fair enough. I'm, li- I'm liking it so far. I like how it feels perfectly connected to Snatch. But already so different to Jack's Completely version, yeah. Because it's leaning yeah. more to like the Lockstock style gambling side of things, yeah. which I really again, I, I like this. Yeah. I like they're good. I went like, oh yeah, it's a boxing movie. You, you went, could easily it's do a gambling this movie. Yeah. A snatch two and three easily as well. Yeah. 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 
Turkish meets with Shet, who explains that Maximilian has come into possession of the Duchess, the diamond that Turkish and Tommy recovered over uh, a decade ago. Uh-huh. The diamond was stolen from a Jewish family during the Holocaust. Jesus and Christ. in an elaborate sepia-toned flashback, we track its blood-soaked history across the world since then. Yeah, right. yours is much lighter, Tim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm picturing this like Nazi the, diamonds. Uh, the opening of... Um, Lord of War. Yes. Yes. Like I love the exact same thing. That's very yeah, good. That's very good. Of, yeah. I like that. Yeah. For those who don't know, we talked about it in our opening sequences episode. Yes. Brilliant. Where the it's the best thing about that movie by a long shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we did follow that the creation of a bullet as it goes through like the factory process and stuff. It's yeah, until in, it gets fired into a child soldier's head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's yeah. such a great and powerful bit of cinema and, and just a, a short film in of itself. Yeah. 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 Anyway, good sequence. I like that. Mm. Uh, Shet and his accomplices want to recover it, and Turkish is one of the last people to see it before Maximilian took possession of the stone. So they actually like need him to like identify it amongst the belongings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Turkish agrees, and the group plans a heist of Maximilian's offices, which wavers between genuine tension and farce as Big Vince ineptly attempts to interfere with the group's plans outside while Turkish, Shet and Ketchup deal with Maximilian's goons inside. While the group is able to steal the diamond, Digby and Sim accidentally switch bags with Big Vince, who unknowingly departs with it, believing that he has failed. Again, lock, stock and the guns. Yeah. Bags and shit. Yeah, great. Afterwards, Maximilian's goons kidnap Turkish and Shet, demanding the return of the diamond, while Big Vince, now owing both Maximilian and Tommy, decides to come clean to the lesser of two evils. Tommy arranges to help Big Vince escape London, smuggling him out on the narrowboat from earlier, and in the process comes into possession of the diamond. Mm. Meanwhile, Turkish and Shet are uh, uh, rescued by an assortment of London's gangsters, who were seen earlier at Doug the Head's funeral, who have been assembled by Cassandra. The film closes with Shet thanking Turkish for his help and rewarding him with a generous payment, while a clueless Tommy explains to Candice that Big Vince has had to leave the country. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, just to reiterate what I said, it fits. Yeah. It works nicely. I got the right vibes. You mentioned being like lighter than, than Jack's. I mean, yes, in theory, but you could see it being quite grim and miserable and dark when it needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's quite, I think it's really solid, man. And again, I also interesting is you've chosen to follow Tommy in Turkish because that's the Mm. most logical choice. Yeah. And you've gone with a 2012, 2010 sort of release date mm. because it's a good point in 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 Guy Ritchie's calendar, mm-hmm. but also feels an equivalent time like, yeah, that no, seems good. Yeah. As I was writing this, I was like, it's really hard to write a short snatch. You're not thing. kidding, man. You're yeah, not because kidding. there's so many like moving parts. Yeah. You can you can summarize snatch very shortly, but as soon as you start going into any kind of detail, you're like, okay, this is going to be like a thousand words long because I need to explain, like... So the reason he burns the caravan, so yeah. it's, it's Mickey's mum, right? And she wanted a... Th- yeah. Anybody and who's got talking these about... thieves who are doing this thing and this thing and this. Yeah. Anyone's talking about Super Happy Kill Time, usually the cast, and I'll say, right, what's happening here? I'm like, <sighs> okay. So, <laughs> and then I will end up talking about so much lore and backstory that isn't relevant because it's like, it's all spooling and so much is interconnected. And obviously it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. So you can sum up things very quickly and succinctly, but you lose a lot of that sort of like flair and flavor and chemistry. So that's why you say like, oh, it seems a bit like, no, it doesn't. It's, I, I can see it because I can fill in the gaps with the shorthand of what the films effectively and Guy Ritchie's oeuvre mm. has kind of illustrated that he would do basically. Mm. You can get, you get the tone basically. Yeah. I like it. 
Yes. What on earth have you done, Matthew? I dread to Matt, think. Matt, what have you done? What have I done? Uh, kind of the same thing. <laughs> Makes as, sense. As who? Well, both of you. My film is called Grab. Yeah. Ah! Imagine Grab. Yeah. Uh, they all go for the single word titles, eh? Yeah. Um, I didn't. I had tea leaves. It's two words. It's hyphenated, isn't it? It's one word. No, it's two words. No, it's two words. Well, it's well, Cockney rhyming slang for one word. Yeah, but you know that's how I see it. Um, okay. Anyway, going for the, it has a title, I guess. Fuck <laughs> me. As all films do. Right now, uh, I'm releasing in 2017. Same same thing. Replacing replacing King Arthur. Thank God for that. Cutting it out of the legs under it. Uh, director's guy Richie, as we discussed. Returning cast: Turkish, Jason Statham, Tommy, Stephen Graham. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, it, of course, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dog's not back. For, I'm sorry. I don't think the dog's back unless I've forgotten about it. Yeah, got no dogs. No dogs. I was very tempted to have the dog swallow the diamond again and then die. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Open up the dog. It's like a can of beans. Yeah. Um, but he does go to do it. And oh. that's the worst part. Is it? It's like, oh, all right. I'll yeah. Oh, it's been a, pulls out a big fucking knife. It's like, you dick. Anyway, right. New cast. A lot of interesting names here. Okay. If, with, if I do say so myself. No, no, no. What I mean by that is the first three are going to go, what? <laughs> right. Reggie. Bill Nye. Okay. Okay. I can see it. British, certified British man. Old British man. Old British, old British man. Jack. Hello. You're, you're in the film. <laughs> <No. gasps> it's me. It's Finally. Car- we cast each other. Character called Jack. Maybe Malcolm I'm- McDowell. Oh, not me. Ooh, okay. Old, old, old British, British man. British bloke, yeah. Pat Whistle. Um, it's hey, pardon? What? Pat Whistle. Pat Whistle. You're getting more and more London the I more of these I names you read. I can't. I have to, I have, I'm, I'm going to go real... Pat Whistle. Pat Whistle. No, Pat Whistle. Uh, Julie Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> old British lady. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. What's the average age of your cars? Like 516. Well. Not geriatrics. Fucking mm-hmm. hell. Voice, voice of uh, Kaiju in Aquaman. <laughs> yes, but not returning in Mary Poppins Returns. Yeah. Snub. Um, Davey is Daniel Kaluuya. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. We do- talked about him earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Rabbit, John Boyega. Okay. Okay. Love a bit of John Boyega. The Considerably leash. younger than the, yeah, yeah, him and Daniel Kaluuya being younger. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, not, they're not geriatrics. Thank God. They're not made up to look Jerry. Like, be an old man makeup, <laughs> yeah. like uh, Johnny Knoxville and Bad Grandpa. Um, the leash, shoe it all as you for. Oh, okay. Somewhere in the middle of the ages. And then we have the Kit Kats. So <laughs> the Kit Kats. <laughs> beg your pardon. Are four friends who are attached to the hip, and their uh, names all begin with K. So Kit Kats. They never take a break. Sure, that too. <laughs> uh, right, we've got Michael Ward. Uh, Michael Ward has been in things like The Old Guard. He was in uh, Blue Story. His most notable thing would be Top Boy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, then we've also got Ryan McKen, um, who was in... He's been in like Game of Thrones and other bits and pieces. Um, he's cropped up. I mean, who hasn't been in fucking Game of Thrones? <clears throat> um, Line of Duty, I think he was in an episode of that as well. He was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Franz Drame is someone who was in Edge of Tomorrow and Tack the Block and Hereafter and that sort of stuff. These are all... We didn't, I've got the geriatrics out of the way. These are the really younger kids. Right, They're like, yeah, yeah. Like teens, early 20s at this point sort mm-hmm. of thing. So you've got the geriatrics out of the way. <laughs> yeah. And then the final character is Chris, um, played by Charlie Rowe, 
Uh, he's in Never Let Me Go and The Golden Compass. So that's Kit, Kadim, Koka, and Chris. Right. And they're referred to as the Kit Kats. Nice. So I won't ever refer to them as individuals. They're just the Kit Kats. They're just the Kit Kats. Just, okay. just four kids who are usually get into trouble. Okay. Right, cool. 1632. Oh, <laughs> fuck right off, Matthew. What? 1632, honestly. Guy Ritchie's done a, done a Sherlock Holmes. You can go a little further back. 1632, opening history uh, of a fictional Dutch painting named The Regretful Man. Uh, the opening title sequence shows the history of the painting as it changes hands and seems to have a sort of bloody curse attached to it. A bit like the diamond sequence in the uh. Lord of War thing. 2017. It's not all set in 1600s. Reggie is released from prison, having served a nearly 50-year stretch for a host of criminal activities. Reggie finds that London has changed in his absence, but he's keen to get back to, in league with his old contacts. So we are doing that whole 1960s, oh, he's put away, but it's, you know, Bill Nye sauntering yeah, out and saying, Nye. I'm yeah. not happy about this. Very much, I ran with the craze, but now I'm out here and what's going on? Why is I got mobile phones? Right. Reggie visits Jack and the pair talk about how the recession changed everything and the country's in a rough state. Uh, Reggie uses the opportunity to recruit several disenfranchised young kids forming the Kit Kats because there are four of them and their name's up with a K and they're attached to the hip, etc, etc, etc. They don't take a break, according to Jack, as he said. <laughs> um, we are then reintroduced to Turkish and Tommy and learn they use the money from the diamond sale to open up a semi-respectable Art trading business. <laughs> so we all have them all when, doing yeah, different yeah, things. Different yeah. directions. It's nice. It's, it's, it's like Doctor Strange looks into the, the yeah. different universes and Tommy and Turkish always doing 14 something. 14 billion different <laughs> universes. How many universes do they, do they, does it not work out? Only one. Um, yeah, while, while keeping their hands in nefarious doings. So they're still, that's kind mm. of a front, but they're, you know, mm. in the same way that, you know, Doug the Head runs a, Jewel stories, like yeah, but I think we've we've realised that like one of the ingredients of the 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 DNA ancestors of like Snatch is secretly only fools and horses. Yeah, I mean that's very much kind the case. of yeah. yeah. <laughs> this comfortable life is disrupted when one of their new prized paintings is stolen. The painting in question is the Regretful Man, uh, and is officially the property of the Denovitz Foundation. The pair don't believe in going to the police outside of their legal obligations from an insurance side of things, so contact Jack, who puts them in touch with the Kit Kats. Turkish and Tommy have misgivings considering the kids' sort of respective ages, but they go along with it. Because it's the whole like, it's a young man's game, mate. Yeah, that kind of thing. Turkish and Tommy meet with the prospective buyers who wanted to acquire said painting, and upon learning it's been stolen, offer their assistance. The pair in question are Archie, Mark Strong, and Johnny Quid, Toby Kevill. From rock, from rock and roller, and roller. Oh, holy shit! You're, you're doing the I'm bringing cinematic it universe. Yeah. I'm like, I was like, I wanted to do a thing where, like, well, let's just say it's already happened. And what happens if there's similar actors? I don't care. Yeah. So yeah, I, th I thought to myself, well, they they kind of fit. So those who don't know who haven't seen Rock and Roller, Johnny Quid, played by Toby Kebbell, is a sort of very coked up, drugged out, amazing singer for this ridiculous band. And Archie is a sort of fixer kind of character. Lots of similar tones, blah, 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 blah. And he gets cleaned up by the end and they go into business having killed the, 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 the owner of this sort of terrible criminal enterprise in a very grim way, blah, blah. So it's more like, who survived from that film? These two are the leads. They'll come back at some point. Anyway, and they contact their own Underworld Connections about the painting. More cameos, more bits and pieces, more crossover. 
Reggie visits a graveyard and has a heartfelt conversation with a headstone, but we don't get to see the name on it. The conversation is mostly about chastising the individual for getting his hands bloody and not making a better go of his life. But then Reggie acknowledges that's a bit hypocritical of him, as he's always been in the life, and that just set a bunch of underachieving kids up for the same experience. So he's like, you know, you should have been better than me. I should have done this. And it's like, well, actually, to be fair, no, I got caught. And to be fair, I'm now starting again with these four kids, so maybe I can't hold you to count too much. But you're still fucking stupid. Yeah, that kind of thing. Speaking of which, the Kit Kats interrogate every art fence in the city. They become empty. But Coca has uh, an idea to talk with a fixer who is paid to make things disappear. And he says, oh, he disappears people, maybe he disappears paintings. Uh, meanwhile, Davy and Rabbit, working for Archie and Johnny Quid as their underworld connections, feel they have a lead on who could be responsible and pay a visit to Pat Whistle, a legendary, albeit retired, femme fatale art thief. Pat is very standoffish, but when Davy and Rabbit catch sight of a canvas with the Denovitz Foundation logo, they put things together, but before they can say anything, Pat kills him. And that's the classic sort of like, walk out the door, yeah, yeah, no, no, okay, fair enough, I'll tie it. And then it's like, oh, the sort of standoff moment you get in most of these films, followed by, oh, bollocks, from, <laughs> from uh, you know, yeah. Julie Andrews. Yeah. And then she's spoonful of sugars, the fuckers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, spoonful of lead. Um, Pat meets with the leash, but gets accidentally caught up in the Kit Kat's ridiculous scheme. So obviously they're going around already doing the I love that sentence, by the way. But thank you. Caught on the leash, but gets <laughs> caught up in the Kit Kat schemes. <laughs> this builds to an awkward standoff that leads to a big fight, which eventually sets the building ablaze, killing both Pat and the leash. Police and firefighters turn up, but the Kit Kats get away. Every time they do something, it's very chaotic, like, fucking cheese it, run, run. It's all like, oh, bollocks, 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 we screwed this up. And these older people are like, are you, are you absolutely fucking kidding me? That kind of, you know. You see a bit of that in The Gentleman and Rock and Roll. You see in the other things. Reporting back to Reggie, he's clearly displeased, but commends them for thinking outside the box. But yeah, yeah, fair play. He then tells them they need to clean up their act and go straight. Because obviously he's like, well, maybe I shouldn't be setting off a new generation of crimbos. But before they do, he has one last job for them and will pay them a small fortune to do it. Archie and Johnny Quid learn Davy and Rabbit are dead and organise a meeting with Turkish and Tommy. They get into an argument about who is owed what, but agree to walk away peacefully. Upon return to their establishment, they see the building is on fire. What, uh, this is the obviously, yeah. Uh, watching the blaze, the dumbstruck pair are approached by Reggie, who asks about their financial backing. The pair reluctantly tell the enigmatic stranger, who goes on to explain that his son was a victim of the greed of two men. Hello, hello. Turkish Tommy, responsible for a lot of naughty deeds, look worried, but it becomes clear that Reggie is referring to Doug the Head and Cousin Avi, respectively. Fucking hell. Turns out, Reggie had a son named Tony. Vinnie Joe. Bloody hell. <laughs> I did some maths here, it works fine. <laughs> but, you sound like me. Yeah, but when, as he was sent to prison... Uh, when he was still an infant, so he's, he doesn't really know his son. Yeah, yeah. But it's all like, well, your dad's in prison, guess what's going to happen, the life is following you, and then it's, he's like, I wasn't there for you, that kind of thing, but it's also, you could have done something, you got shot, you silly bit prick, that kind of thing. Yeah. And he's also like, eh, I didn't say a good example. With both men having died years prior, he was never able to exact his revenge, and so plotted to take down the entire empire that they had left behind. So they know his foundation was all part of this thing that they've been involved in, they're both cousins and friends and connections that it's the whole, like, anyone who's touched this whole thing, I'm taking them out. Mm -hmm. And Tony isn't, like, a good character. He's not, like, oh, we should redeem this person. No. It's like, no, it's just angry dad feeling he has to do something. Yeah. Which is 
it's not like, oh, Tony was an angel, he should be redeemed. It's like, no, he mm. was a prick. And well, what about Reggie? He's also a prick. Yeah. yeah. What about these other people? They're also they're all pricks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If someone this is what when you said, oh, like Tommy dies and and you one's like good. They're, yeah. all, they're all bad people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So as he says this, we see the Kit Kats breaking into and stealing multiple key items from high-end diamond joints across London. It's the idea that everyone who's connected to this whole diamond empire that's been left behind by this family, it's getting smash grabbed everywhere. Right. Um uh, oh, and grabbed. Oh. Uh. Uh, Turkish and Tommy don't understand how they're to blame for all this, to which Reggie says they're insured and will come out of this with, you know, without real hardship. But they also benefit from the diamond that ended his son's life, so they had to suffer a bit. As the fire engines arrive, Reggie says his work is done and he'll return to prison to serve out the rest of his days. Tommy asks how that'll happen and Turkish braces himself for one of them potentially being killed. And it's like, oh, why did you talk it up, you dickhead? Yeah, Jack just scrunched his face up. It's the same thing. A little squint of like, oh, God, it's coming. But instead, nothing happened. Police cars already coming uh, screech around the corner and armed officers take Reggie uh, away. The pair are baffled, but again, we're treated to a flashback of Reggie in Pat's house, securing the painting that he arranged to be stolen before tipping off the police at its location, Mm. along with a handful of the missing diamonds, all of which is enough to get Reggie locked up for the rest of his life. So it's the classic, he comes out of prison and goes, I'm going to do a whole thing. And then halfway through he goes, oh, I'm not a good person. I fucked it. I fucked it. You know what? I'll still fuck everything up, but then also take credit at the end. Yeah. And he's just going around messing things up. And it's Bill mm. and I just creeping around being an old man. <laughs> Watching the building burn, Tommy wonders how these things keep happening to them. But Turkish doesn't have an answer. The film closes with Reggie being returned to his cell and slowly smiling. Nice. There you go. I like it a lot. So again, I went down the route of it's all chaos. Everything goes wrong. There's like... So many ridiculous moving parts, and Tim, you were right about the whole mini pitch thing, of like, oh, we, we need to keep this rolling, and everything keeps fucking up, and everyone who meets someone gets offed, or something bad happens, thing plans go to, to shit, and much like the first film, Turkish and Tommy are left going, well, what the fuck now? It's like, well, you've got insurance, you'll be fine, and we, we you know, um, Johnny Quid and Archie can go off to do their own same thing with like, <laughs> I want to get that painting, but you know what? Maybe because again. Johnny Quid's meant to be this sort of millionaire rock and roll character. It's like, I kind of just want the painting. That's, that's his motivation, effectively. And then it just happens to be this thing that someone's stolen. It just happens to be this. And hence, at the start of the film, the whole, the painting's cursed. It's like, ain't the painting's cursed. It's you dumb criminals. <laughs> so there you go. That's, that's my pitch. I think, I, th- I genuinely feel like we did with John Carter and Hellboy. There was like the whole, well, you just do the book. You do the other s- sequels. With Stargate, we all did various different intergalactic sort of romps and things. God, we did, yeah. And this one, it feels very much like the path is there for you to do stuff. It, I, I think it's weird how all three of them feel like the same story, but not. Because mm. the themes are there, mm. the motivations are all there, but the focuses are so different. Because you've got, in my one, you've got generational divides and the, the idea of London being this, it's seen everything and everybody's fucked this life taints everyone who touches yep. it. Um, in, in, in Tim's one, you get the sense of the underground life of crime and the, and the gambling and all the things that go with it and everyone, you know, how, how people are affected in that way. In Jack one, you've got the, the violence, obviously, with the fighting, but you've also got the, uh, the, the level of connection with, you know, nobody really gets out of this. Mm. Not really. Yep. You, just, you just sidle into a next part yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. And equally, if you're like, oh, like the 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 Chinese London sort of side of things, 
It's. I think. I think mm. all of them are pretty. I mean, maybe I'm being arrogant. Might be like, no nah, shit, fuck you. But. <laughs> well, I think that's a key thing, right? And that's kind of why we picked it for this episode is because because of the world building we talked about earlier. There are so many threads to pull on to go in different directions and do different things. And the fact that the three of us have kind of done, as you said there, Matt, like three completely different films that all still have that kind of connected mm. tissue to that that core concept to Snatch and having the kind of themes that run through it all and stuff. Fighting, diamonds, crime, fallout, it's all there. It's there you all, go. Yeah. all part of it. It's all you need. <laughs> I do have one issue with your pitch. Oh, <gasps> shit. I should have let you talk. Sorry, Tim. Mm. What's wrong with it? I do struggle to see Bill Nye as the dad of Vinnie Jones. <laughs> okay, so... And I was... I, was, yeah. I, I did, I was like, oh... How I many can, bullet can I, teeth does can, he have? Can I think of an alternative? Yeah. And, and I've got a good one, but I also... Because I've not actually seen Rock and Roller or The Gentleman. <gasps> um, oh. But I think he's in one of them. Bill Nye? No, my alternative. Oh, so sorry. Yes, okay. Uh, Tom Wilkinson. Tom Wilkinson is in Rock and Roller. Uh, he plays, uh, I think, Toby Cable's dad. He does. Ah, yeah. uh, right. Yeah. So, yeah. No, but you're right. Because I must have, I, I thought, right, who we got? Jim Broadbent. Oh, no, not really. <laughs> um, <laughs> Imagine Jim Broadbent. Yeah. And then Vinnie Jones. Jeremy Irons was one as well. Mm. I could find nobody with a roundy face that works. Yeah. Tom Wilkinson's a really good shout. But again, he's... Cause he's could quite... be that Bullet Tooth Tony just looks like his mum. Could That's, be. This could is be. what I went with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you find like a real hard as nails old lady. Yeah. Then like... Julie Andrews. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the cast are fucking EastEnders. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, I, his mum was Pat Butcher. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's the key yeah. thing is... Mm-hmm. The, oh, you're agree. right. It's he is he's he's a very gaunt individual. Whereas, mm. um, but you can also uh, you can sell that by just being like he's been in prison for fifty years. Yeah, you know. Yeah, he's he's an old man. Yeah, I could just do a thing where we do a flashback and it's just Vinnie Jones playing a younger version of the character. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, how did you become Bill Nye? Prisons are man. They do that crossfade. Yeah, it's 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 actually a, like a. Hundred and seventy-five million dollar film, mainly de-aging. They, we've done a weird. De-aging, pre-Irishman de-aging slash, uh, you know, uh, putting Chris Hemsworth's head on the skinny body thing to make it look like Bill Nye had Vinnie Jones's physique. My vote is a Looper-style prosthetic. I was going to say <laughs> a mouthpiece. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get, I do get it though, because you're right. When I was, I went through like the old man names. At one point, Malcolm McDowell was going to be the the lead, and I, I thought, yeah? nah, Bill Nye's more convincing. Yeah. But then I thought, it looks a bit more like this. I don't care. Yeah. Bill Nye's attitude feels more appropriate yeah um i also one point was going like oh, i really want tom hardy in here it's like tom hardy's in rock and roll i was like i know <laughs> um again rock and roll has got a lot of people you can pull in uh, yeah like like jared butler and idris mm. elba and stuff like that. that's good stuff i did have a thought about jared butler showing up at some point and having a kind of this is this is kind of what i mean right yeah that's why i put that's why i put that little rock and roller element yeah. in there mm. because i was like these are basically sequels to Snatch. You yeah. just don't yeah. have the balls to say it. Yeah. And yes, you've got like, well, oh, but this person turns up again. I don't care. Yeah. You can literally watch, arguably, yes, okay, Turkish Statham's in both Lockstock and, and um, Snatch, but you can watch Lockstock, Snatch, Rock and Roller, and... Um, the Gentleman. Thank you very much. The Gentleman as a four-film marathon. Yeah. In the same universe. And even, though, even if you might have someone like, oh, but he's there. It's like, it works. It's yeah. the London crime quadrilogy. Like, yeah. it, it genuinely feels like it's already a thing. Yeah. So just push it a little further. Yeah. Um, yes. So I think we've got some interesting pictures there. Again, 
I think it's that classic sort of. Here's a weird thing to say. Uh oh. I think it's that Pink Panther thing. Where... Fucking <laughs> what? Oh yeah, you know. Yeah. The, the diamond. Foot fucking. No. Um. <laughs> no, not my Pink Panther. I mean specifically the idea that. It's, don't you shake your head at me, you slags. <laughs> both, both of them. Just look Tim, at each other, shaking their heads. Madison, foot fucking. Tim and I just looked at them, both just shook our heads like, mm, no. And don't you shake your head either, listen, I can feel you doing it. Um, don't we, you we, judge me. We specifically got a message on Patreon from one of the VIPs, yeah. hello, hello James McDowell, yeah. saying, hey, here's my pick for the next season. No foot fucking, you absolute <laughs> deviants. And I was like, whoa, hold on a minute. Don't look at me. We've got a fucking horny Tim and the foot fucker over here. <laughs> Nothing to do yeah. with me. Well, now we oh. have our uh, Guy Ritchie nicknames <laughs> sorted. <laughs> so horny and foot fucker. <laughs> and I guess I'm like the celibate. Or blade. Like, I mean, I'm blade already, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to say foot fucking is me holding back. So basically... Um, I hate you, Matthew. That's fair. Entirely fair. Um, I hope you hate him too, listeners. Everybody lost Tim. I, I, I will absolutely be the one everyone hates. That's fine. That's fine. I don't mind that. <laughs> you embrace your inner Bill Nye. I, I know it's coming. Um, where the, the fuck this. am I going with this? I don't know. And I, I hate saying you something. said I know where this is coming. Fuck. Uh, oh. Watch all four together. They're a whole shape. Yeah. It's a, it's a whole thing. So these things already feel like they have the connective tissue to be a connected thing anyway. And, and, and Guy Ritchie sort of writes it in a way that's so familiar. It, it, it works. So, yeah. You could just have Tommy and Turkish be the Jay and Silent Bob of this universe. <laughs> kind of, yeah. And just bumbling along. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Who's the, who's the Jay and who's the Silent Bob? I mean, Silent Bob is, is clearly Turkish. Because he's more straightforward and the chaotic element is Tommy. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think, I think that yeah. does work. Yeah. I, I had to think about it, but... Yeah. Yeah. He does and, a lot and, of talking and for Jace, Silent Bob. Like, Jason yeah. Statham and Kevin Smith have very similar physiques. Yeah. Absolutely. And Former ability, Olympic diver Kevin Smith. Yes. An ability to do uh, like high karate kicks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Great Yarmouth, New Jersey. Same thing. Mm. Hard to tell the difference sometimes. They do, really. they do call the Great Yarmouth the Jersey Shore of Britain. <laughs> to be fair, they do. Yes. <laughs> Yarmouth is a shithole. It, to like the Jersey Shore. Yeah. Fun fact. I don't know if the listeners know this. I think you two both know this. Oh? I own a chair of Barry Statham's, which is Jason, <laughs> Jason Statham's dad. Did you know this? I sorry, not... sorry, sorry. A, a chair. chair? Yeah. I, we bought, Emma and I bought a chair off of Barry Statham, Jason Statham's dad, because he's, he's local. Is, have we slipped into the film? <laughs> what are you talking about? Would you, I, I, I am not, I swear, you could. What should you buy a chair for? Because I wanted a chair for my living room. stuffed full of diamonds. You're sitting down, you're sitting down on a sofa, you're fine. What do you need a chair for? What's going on? What kind of chair? What, why, who buys one chair? Yeah, what kind of chair? You buy a set of chairs. Why are we all or a Scratch so- characters now? <laughs> who buys a fucking single chair? What's it what? made of? <laughs> Green velvet? Like, it goes with the couch, so it's like we've got a two-seater couch and then a, and another chair. I've been here. Have I seen this? Yeah, it's the one in the living room, in the corner. I can't picture this. Barry Statham's chair. What the fuck is going so on? You're, so you've possibly sat... In a chair that Jason Statham's in. Chair that J- you're, you're, butt- yeah. you're like uh, buttock neighbours. Yeah. Butt buddies. Yeah. You know and like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the episode teaser. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, butt buddies for Jason yeah. Statham. Yeah. yeah. You've shared a groove. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And groove is in the heart. Cut to. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> if this stays in, it's been a weird fucking Friday. It's been it's been unusual. Yeah, and I was like, oh, by it's the been, way, it's been emotional. emotional. <laughs> oh god, freaky Friday. Good lord. Anyway. Thank you for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed our three very different Snatch sequels. Let us know what was your favourite on the Discord, on the X. All I can see is like Spice Girls style nicknames for our different Snatches. I mean, that's also Sporty Snatch. Posh Snatch. Scary Snatch. (laughs) (laughs) We'll let you assign those nicknames appropriately, folks. I like that you avoided the two worst ones. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely Uh do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you didn't say either of the other two. There was a calculation in my head and it was like, don't. I think (laughs) for once you actually said the least offensive of the options. You're welcome, listeners. Because, by the way, this is the last five minutes have been edited out because (laughs) of our fucking chaos. War crimes. Friday evening war crimes. Anyway. Go and check out the Discord. Go to sequelizer.com. Click on the link to join the Discord there. There's like 250 people all chatting sequelizers, chatting movies, video games, all that kind of stuff. It's the place to go if you want like media after show discussion with a bunch of other listeners. And the three of us are in there as well. So if you want to discuss whose favorite sequel, you know, all that kind of stuff, you want to predict stuff for the upcoming interseason, predict stuff for the next season. That's the place to go. Go to sequelizer.com, click on the Discord button. It's free. It's just a little invite. You get in straight away and you are greeted by what is now known as the Welcoming Committee, mm-hmm. which is a whole series of gifts, basically. It's chaos in the best way possible. If you want to follow me on any of the social media stuff, you can go JLW Chambers on absolutely everything, including Blue Sky now. Thanks, Tim. You're welcome. I'm now on Blue Sky as of like two hours ago. <laughs> Before we started recording. And yeah, I'm on threads. I don't think I've used threads properly yet, but I'm on there for whatever reason. Or all, all the other places I, th- I think still kinda using X, but not really using it. And um yeah, um it's hard to let you've, go, you know. You've you've got to stop saying X. I, I'm saying on, I'm saying yeah, on purpose just to get the reaction. I don't hate let it. him have it's that. The worst. It makes my butthole clinch up every time. <laughs> I agree with you, Tim. But yeah. yeah. I can still, feel I'm, Tim's butthole tightening and I don't want it. Oh. <laughs> Sends um, ripples through the <laughs> through the air. It does, it does. Well, but where can people follow you across the internet, Matthew? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z, and all the various social media platforms, Blue Sky, Threads, all that shit. I'm there doing copy and pasting job for the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're there, you see Social the same media thing. strategy, folks. Seriously, Post some, the same thing across I'm, all the I'm, things. I do a head of content stuff for company and it's my day job. And if anyone comes to me and says, what's our thread strategy? I say, fuck off. <laughs> we don't have one. A, a friend of mine who's a social media manager posted uh, as threads went live, like waiting for all those job title updates of like threads expert or Piss threads off. manager and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. It doesn't mean shit. Fucking hell. You can also go to the red right hand and read my film reviews. You can go to cheesemint.com to see the things that I make. There are new episodes of Super Peppy Come Time. Come Time? <laughs> <laughs> I'll fucking keep in that one, mate. Super, yeah, super happy, happy Come time. time. I am so tired and apparently horny. Horny, yeah. Super Happy Kill Time. Oh, okay. When you're done with the other one. Coming over by the end of the year, Woo. I believe. It's, 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 I mean, I've edited rough cuts of Series 4, Series 5, and Series 6. And I'm working on the spin-off series. And I've written a script for another spin-off. For God's sake. I'm, I'm broken. 
Anyway, we're um, all talking about like, oh yeah, once you finish Shibab Kill Time, you'll get to do something else, like whatever, and like, or another spin-off instead. It's too fun not to. Anyway, Tim, if people want to find out what tickles your snatch, where can they go? Don't follow me on Twitter. Let's just let it die. <laughs> At some point, Drill will choose a new home and we'll all migrate to there. But in the meantime, Trivial Ad on Blue Sky. Trivia underscore lad on Letterboxd for film reviews. Uh, I just posted a review of Robots, the Jack Whitehall Amazon Anime. exclusive oh, wow. comedy that is not, not very Ma- good. Not the okay. Ewan McGregor animated um, no. anime film with Robin Williams. No. Okay. Um, but yeah, those are, the, those are the best places to find me. Nice. Well, follow us on all the usual places as well. If you can, please do support us on Patreon. As I mentioned at the top of the show, you can get your name read out with some silly bollocks and extra clips and all that kind of stuff. You can also support us by sharing the podcast around, just telling a friend. That is... Sharing us on all the social media stuff we just mentioned. One of the best things to do. Yeah. Review us as well. That's a good way of spreading the word and helping us get the like podcast algorithm kind of stuff, is reviewing us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and all that kind of stuff. It is all very much appreciated. We'll be back next week with another in-season episode. Something completely different. It's so different. It's very different. Tonal shift. Yeah. Quite considerably. Be less F's and C's in that episode, probably. Mm. Less Cockney rhyming slang. Oh. Still 50% C, though. Oh. I see what you've done there, Matthew. Yeah. I mimed it. Yeah. On a podcast. (laughs) Well, not for not for the listeners. That's ruining things. It's for you guys. That's true. Anyway, if you can get my hands moving, you can maybe work out what I said. We'll see you next week. Thin fucking ice, my pedigree chums, and I shall be under it when it breaks. Now fuck off. <laughs>